did you say? What kind of animal was that attacked her? So yeah, there's yeah, some type of animal attack. Statistically, there's been more animal attacks, mysterious deaths, people gone missing. In other news, local authorities remain perplexed by the animal attacks. What attacked her in the woods? An animal. What else could it have been? Welcome back to It Was an Animal Attack, your home of the supernatural drama series. I'm Fadzai. And I'm Sandile. And today we'll be discussing our siphoning Gemini witch Malachi Parker, better known as Kai. Hey, I'm a little bit upset that because I've never seen his name written until maybe this year. I hate that it's spelled Malachi with the C-H-I and not a K-A-I like his shortened name is. It's a dumb gripe, but I just, <laughs> I wish it was Malachi with a K. I think, I mean, the, I think that's just how Malachi is usually spelled in English. No, for sure. But I, I think Malachi with the K-A-I might be the original, which I mean, you know, they're a family of witches. That wouldn't be insane. You name your kids Malachi, Josette, Olivia, and Lucas. It's not crazy. <laughs> I'm dying to know what all the others were named. <laughs> yeah, the unnamed kids other than Joe. Because <laughs> they were like four. But we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, right at the outset, I would like to extend my apologies to our listeners for the insanely long break we ended up taking. It was supposed to be two weeks. It ended up being closer to two months. But <laughs> we are back. We just had a crazy busy August and September. One of us more exciting reasons than the other. I was completing a really grueling exam for my work, crunching the wheels of capitalism. And our dear Fadzai was in a stage play from the, what were the dates again? From the 6th. <laughs> it's done by the time this goes out. From the 6th until the 16th of September. 6th to 16th September, Delela and excellent performance thank from himself you and also the others. yes the cast was amazing the script is lovely obviously with the play being in september that necessitated rehearsals in august and in the words of taylor swift august slipped away like a bottle of wine <laughs> it sure did you were running lines on a artsy stage i was doing lines of cocaine to keep myself away <laughs> as i studied um really <laughs> For legal purposes, that is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) That is a joke. If my employer ever hears this, no, you didn't. But yes, we are back in it, hopefully to continue the swing of things until, of course, Fadzai lands a CW show and leaves me in pieces. It could happen. It could. Ha- I mean, my, my 20s are drawing to a close, but that never stopped the CW from casting teenagers before. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, too true. But anyways, so Malachi Parker, better known as Kai, is, I would say, the primary antagonist of season six of The Vampire Diaries. He is yet another antagonist in the show who's, let's say the the name he usually goes by, starts with a K, along with Klaus (laughs) and Catherine. And later on, Cade, I guess, because I feel like they spelled Cade with a K, even though it's Arcadius, which might be a c if you write it in english i, I think I it's know. a c is it a c it has to be a c okay. because it's again the traditional greek would be a k but i think they spell it arcadius with a c and cade with a c well that cade with a c is boring no offense to anyone who's named <laughs> with a c out there um i'm sure you are lovely your name isn't i <laughs> no arguments here your name sucks and could be better i'm sorry to tell you 
I love that that uh, on the topic of Kai's name, just before we really dive into it, I love that with Kai and then later on Cade, however it might be spelled, there's this pattern of all the major antagonists all having like a nickname or a different name that they go by for some reason. Like with Catherine, like she changed her name to Catherine before she became a vampire because she was living, it. She was living in England and she was like, I mean, actually, I don't know when she changed it exactly because she is Katarina when the originals meet her. And then at some point... It is when she comes to Mystic Falls. Oh, so it's only in 1864 that she decides to be... I I believe so. I'm remembering a flashback to when she meets the Salvatore brothers. This is a flashback later in the season, though. So it's like filling in gaps. And it's her and Pearl arriving in Mystic Falls for the first time. And her saying, I'm just Catherine Pierce, a lonely orphan girl, whatever, whatever. And so I think that's when she came up with the name. So when Nadia was looking for her, was she not calling her Catherine Pierce? I guess by then she'd had over a century to make to make herself infamous. But then again, during that century, she was supposed to be faking her own death. So yeah, I, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. We'll come back to this. <laughs> With Catherine, it's because she's like on the run, trying to hide from the originals. And because I guess she feels distance between the innocent girl that Katarina Petrova used to be. And who she's had to become. Mm-hmm. And then with Klaus, it's the whole thing of like, oh, Nick Klaus is the name my father gave me. And he sucked. So I want to be called Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And then with Malachi, it's like, the name Malachi is awful. Like, I don't like my name. So just call me Kai. <laughs> yeah. that That is an oddly... I mean, he's... How old was he? He was 18 as the 90s started, but Kai is such a 90s name, at least by my understanding of the 90s in the United States. Also, he's like, he's from the Pacific Northwest. That's a very specific aesthetic and style that Kai just very much works as a shortened name. So it very much tracks. I like it. It sounds, it sounds naughty and like mischievous. <laughs> Which is which is not naughty in that sense. Naughty in like the sense no, of like a badly behaved you meant, child. Yeah, in the in the traditional ne'er do well sense, but that may, is even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> you naughty naughty boy. Uh, <laughs> Before we meet Kai in all his splendor, uh, in season five we are introduced to the character Liv whose full name we later on learn is Olivia Parker. And I gotta say, when she was introduced, I didn't really think she'd be that, is, like, that important as a character, like in terms of her personality. I kind of felt like she was just there because Bonnie could no longer do magic at that point. She was a ghost, and then she was the anchor. And we need a witch. Yeah, we need a witch to solve all our problems, because that's what the Mystic Falls gang does. <laughs> when, when in doubt, just yeah. ask a witch to fix it. Put a band-aid on it, made of magic. So she shows up and she's she's supposedly this novice girl who Bonnie is helping because Bonnie has the knowledge but no longer has the power. And Liv is like this budding witch who they keep roping in. And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like in the writing room decisions are made and then things are changed, but they don't really write. They don't go back and write over stuff they'd previously written as though those future decisions are now canon. Because the way that Liv is performed in the show. I'm like, so she was faking this whole time because we later on learned that she's not a novice. She's actually a seasoned witch oh, yeah. from a family of witches. And it's like, but she almost died like once or twice helping these people. And she all was this committed was... to the bit. <laughs> she was the original commit to the bit because of how high the stakes were of them being in Mystic Falls. They were there for a reason. 
she was like, I'm... But I mean, she, she wasn't in Mystery Falls. She was at Whitmore College. Not Mystery Falls, sorry. Whitmore, Whitmore. They knew... I think they had pre-scoped out where everyone was. Whitmore College is where Elena was. And Elena is who they were after, essentially. Well, one of the people they were after. One of the people. Because season five is the year of the doppelganger. And because of Silas and Ketsia and Amara's shenanigans. Along with the travelers. There was a whole lot of stuff happening with the Silas doppelgangers and the Amara doppelgangers. But... <laughs> Later on, as we establish who Liv really is, we're also introduced to the character Luke, who shows up seemingly having been this sweet little gay bestie that <laughs> Catherine made while she was possessing Elena's body. Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, that's very important that like he shows up and he's very much a, oh, you who's always been here character. And, <laughs> but <laughs> once you think that and then Elena's sort of like, actually, no, I don't know who this person is. You're like, oh. Well, then what's happening here? And it turns out Catherine pretending to be Elena while she was staying at Whitmore made a gay best friend. <laughs> Once again, another character committing to the bit because we find out that Catherine has apparently fed on him while she was in Elena's body and had attempted, I guess, to compel him to be compliant or to forget or whatever. And once we find out that he's he a witch, it was yeah, we find that he's a witch, which means he can't be compelled. So it's like, so you just stood there and let this girl feed on you? You didn't think, oh, you know, what if she loses control? What if she's a ripper? Commitment, like <laughs> dedication. They said we're in it for the long haul, okay? Wonder Twin powers, we will fool everyone. And they did. I love it. I love it. And Luke is Vampire Diaries' first major gay character i mean we, we, we have caroline's dad before but he's very much like a guest character friend of the pod bill forbes we yeah luke luke is our first you know young millennial in it with the group gay character and he is his gayness pros and cons his gayness isn't the most interesting thing about him yeah yeah which i guess at the time was a best case scenario in terms of representation yeah what was it 2014 it also feels like they they went too far in the other direction and they almost completely avoid dealing with his sexuality except for like throwaway lines and jokes but I mean, that's par for the course, isn't it? Even Bill Forbes's queerness is discussed largely as a punchline and then just as like the thing that tore apart their family, right? He went off to be with Stephen, I Stephen, think his yeah. name was, yeah. and abandoned his wife and daughter. And that's about as much as they talk about it. And it's, it's not even that where we're focusing on that as the turmoil of the family because Caroline doesn't seem to care. She loves her dad. And he and Liz Forbes seem to be copacetic at this point they have larger issues which is how to deal with their daughter being a vampire so even that aspect of his queerness isn't like pivotal or important at all so it sucks that when we get this recurring character and like in the thick of it well sort of in the thick of it we'll get into it it just sucks that like yeah he's gay but we don't actually care about that <laughs> Yeah, and much much like a like a Disney family film in the 2020s patting itself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> the CW definitely definitely allowed news outlets to go on and on about, "Ooh, season 6 there's going to be a gay character, no, season 5, there's going to be a gay character introduced oh. into the show." Ooh, like some some blatant lies were even that, "Oh, he's going to be a love interest for Damon." And I was like, "There is no universe." What? There is Yep, it's true. That's People, people were claiming that the streets were saying that for my part i didn't believe it i was like you already had a character who was male in the books sage 
who you turned into a woman in the series. Into a woman? So that she could have this pseudo-sexual relationship with Damon. Because in the books, Sage is male and does have a sexual relationship with Damon. And I'm like, I know there's, oh. there's, there's no universe in which you're going to let Damon be queer. So God, never. I think, I think in the books, it's canon that all vampires are demisexual. I love that. But obviously, you know, the show... Well, you can still be demisexual and only into the opposite sex. Is it demi... Like demi-pan, essentially, where you're only... Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a demi-pan situation because... I mean, you're vampires! Damon doesn't treat his sexual history with Sage as, like, something worth noting or, like, out of the ordinary. It's not like, oh, by the way! Sure. <laughs> this guy! <laughs> but, yeah, in the the series is very heteronormative. So, of course, Damon, as one of the primary love interests of the main character... Not just heteronormative, homophobic. <laughs> I'll come out and say it. What are you saying? They can't be homophobic. They introduced the gay character in season five. What are you <laughs> saying, Sandile? <laughs> I'm so thrown because one, I didn't even consider the, the thing of... Because l- like we've said before, I wasn't in fandom spaces. I wasn't on the internet at the time I was watching this show. I didn't even consider what the like hubbub was around. Because as you say, shows love to do the thing of <gasps> a gay character. And two... The idea that a rumor ran that it would be Damon getting a male love interest and people believed it is dumbfounding to me. People people will believe anything. And in this fandom especially, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm getting there. But this fandom is guilty of believing and supporting some heinous things. Oh, boy. I think part of what helped fuel the rumor is season five, right, is also when we're introduced to Aaron Whitmore. Mm, Sean Cypos. Who the CW themselves were definitely pushing as, oh, Elena might be getting a new love interest this season. There's a new dude named Aaron. We might take a break from the Salvatore. So I think that might have helped people believe this lie that they wanted to believe. Delena was going to be split and each get a new bow. <laughs> they were both going to go find a blonde boy. I mean, I we've spoken about this, but I maintain that like the idea that Aaron was going to be a love interest for Elena is just crazy. I there's he doesn't fit the bill of any of her love interests. He wasn't interesting enough or important enough to the plot. What small tie he does have to the plot is circling back to Damon. So I don't think I don't know. I don't know how they were gonna make it work. It never once felt romantic. I mean, I guess stuff changes in the writers' room while they're working on all this stuff. Like for instance, um, Sam on Glee was initially written to be Kurt's love interest for season two and once they had once they had cast uh, Cordova Street they were like no he's got good um, chemistry with Diana Agron let's make his character Quinn's love interest instead and we'll make another love interest for Kurt that's wild one more homophobia two my least favorite Quinn pairing, so I don't know. Really? I'm not a Sam Quinn head, I'll be <laughs> honest. Let, this is not a Glee podcast. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's 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 not get sidetracked by Glee. That's a that's a right. whole other podcast we could do. And <laughs> listen, and, and, spin off. <laughs> boy, boy, the content we would podcast have. Called and that's what you missed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, aside aside from allowing whoever was speaking to these news outlets or leaking this info to just run with making. Luke's gayness seemed like it was going to be this really integral thing to what was happening around him. The way that he's introduced is so fascinating because in that scene where he shows up 
and Elena, who has just recently regained control of her body from Catherine, meets him. She sees the bite marks, the scarring or whatever on his neck, and she starts putting two and two together that, oh my gosh, this boy's been fed off of, probably by me while I was being possessed. And she's like, what's that on your neck? And he's like, oh, I don't know. It's obviously some kind of disgusting rash, but my boyfriend thinks that it, it was a hickey. And he mentions that he's now recently broken up with this boyfriend because this man thinks that he's cheating on him or something. And it's like, oh, okay, so you've, you've given a fairly natural line it might have been a bit clumsy, but it's it's a fairly natural line of dialogue just to show that oh, this to, is a, to get the point across. Yeah, this is a man who dates other men. Fine. Then at the end of the episode, in the stinger, where we learn that <laughs> Luke, who we've just been introduced to, and Liv, who we've known for a few episodes now, uh-huh. are siblings. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! She's she's changing in her in her bedroom, taking off her shirt. And suddenly Luke walks in and she gets startled and she's like, oh my gosh, Luke, I was about to take my top off. <laughs> and he says, as a, as a revelation of the fact that he's related to her mm. and a reminder just to hammer home the fact that he's gay, mm-hmm. he says the iconic line, I'm gay and your brother, so you're the least attractive person to me in the world. <laughs> I don't understand how it passed. I don't understand who approved it. (laughs) At that point, I was just like, listen, guys, you already mentioned that this cisgender man has an ex-boyfriend. We understood. We We got it. it. We get that he is a queer man. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe you wanted to make sure we didn't think he was we didn't bisexual. Think he's not bi, he's not pan, guys. He is Kinsey Six gay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're not ready to address bisexuality on the CW. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, oh my word. I was just like, if you wanted to use that scene to reveal that there were siblings, you could have had him say something like, oh my gosh, girl, like, we grew up together. Something along those lines. Just, that, that would have felt fine. A bit on the nose, but fine. But or the- maybe go the opposite direction. Direction. I have multiple sisters. If I thought for a hint that they might be changing in the same room at me, I would like to be anywhere else but that room. <laughs> what? <laughs> Insane piece of dialogue. God. Or he could have even just he could have even just addressed her as sis. Like, you know, that's something people do sometimes, SIS. I understand that sometimes it is a bit difficult on TV to have exposition because it's not like a book where you have a narration or you have privy to characters' internal thoughts. You've got to so put it all in dialogue. things do need to be said. Yeah, it's, it's got to be said out loud. But boy, oh boy, I'll, I will never forget that scene. <laughs> So once uh, Luke is introduced and we realize that uh, he and his sister are people who have been raised as witches, we start to see a lot more skillful magic from the two of them. Because I guess that's when Liv decides she's going to break character and she's not going to keep pretending to be Bonnie's little student. (laughs) I think at one point, once the truth comes out, Bonnie says to her, I thought I was helping you. You pretended to be this like noob that I was teaching. And then Liv is like, yeah, it was cute. I do think it's the following episode or the episode after that, because in that episode, it's at the end when she says goodbye to Bonnie and closes her door. When she, she like, very quickly switches on all the candles in her room. From that point, she's still continuing the ruse, and it's either the next episode towards the end or the one after that, where they're forced to break character because the timeline has been moved up. The travelers are out and about. And it's all the it's all the doppelganger shenanigans with what's going on with the other side disintegrating because Marcos, who is the leader of the travelers, has forced his way back from the afterlife. 
And I think it's Liv who actually gives her a little analogy for why the other side is falling apart. She describes it as like chemistry or a math equation where you change or remove one component and the whole thing like changes or falls apart. So I guess because Marcos used the anchor, aka the door to the other side in reverse. <laughs> that, it messed up that the whole equation. The equation. And shame for Luke and Liv's part. In fact, this might even feed into why they're such good actors. <laughs> and they're, <laughs> they're so well committed to the bit right. of pretending to be these, in Luke's case, pretending to be a human who can be compelled. And in Liv's case, pretending to be a newbie witch who doesn't know how to use magic. We learn that their coven, who we don't meet in that season, but their coven is clearly very controlling mm-hmm. and very demanding. And it's like this thing of like, oh, we have to do this. We, we don't want to hurt Elena and Stefan and their friends. But like the coven needs the doppelgangers to be stopped. Our coven is saying, this our coven is saying that we have no choice Mm. i think at one point i think it's luke who decides he's not going to do something and immediately starts to get like the the psychic witch headache it's that and i'm like oh luke had just come back from helping i think damon or someone like do a locator spell and then he comes to a diner where Liv is waiting for him because they're meeting up. They failed to stop the travelers from enacting their big plan, which we don't have to get into into detail. And Liv says that the coven isn't happy with them. And as they're talking about it, I think Luke says something to the effect of like, screw the coven right now. And then he gets a Bluetooth magic migraine in the middle of this <laughs> diner. And Liv says, I told you, they're not happy. Very, very controlling coven. And... I mean, abusive, since we later on find out that this is like a family-type coven. Like, they're they're related. Yeah, I think it's multiple families, but yes, their family is like a big deal. Yeah, and it's, it's sad because they get roped into hurting these people who I don't think they really wanted to hurt. Yeah, I was, I was surprised by how there's dialogue between Luke and Liv. I, I go back and forth on how believable their like bond is because they have some really good moments and then they have some other moments that are honestly just like, like you said, clunky dialogue that doesn't feel natural, not just as siblings, but as twins. But this dialogue, they talk about how they have to do, they're always having to do this thing. And Luke's like, yeah, I get it. We kind of like these people and they're not as messed up as our family is. Like dialogue like that where it's like, oh, wow, they've, they, as much as they've been insurgents here and they've been pretending the whole time, they have come to enjoy the company of these people who honestly didn't do all that much for them. I, I sometimes struggle to think, I guess Liv, it's Tyler, right? I don't know who Luke has bonded with particularly... It's not Elena, because it was Catherine the whole time. Luke and bonded with think... Catherine, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine dies this season, and I don't think he's even aware of that fact. I don't think there's any address <laughs> of the fact that his actual friend is gone. <laughs> but anyways, I was surprised by how, like... Yeah, they were, they vocalized it like, yeah, we care about the Mystic Falls gang. I was like, okay, it's odd, but interesting. <laughs> Eventually, they're they're forced to have to try and kill one of the remaining da- doppelgangers, Stefan or Elena, in order to stop the Traveler's plans. And then, you know, the Mystic Falls gang, being who they are, they're like, you know what? We are ready to kill anybody who isn't on our team. Yeah. So they murder Luke. <laughs> yeah. They murder Luke so that he's trapped on the other side and Liv has no choice but to help them bring back all their, all their faves from the other <laughs> side. Yeah, I think at that point, it was a matter of... Oh, Stefan had died. Stefan had died in like the 21st episode. Caroline specifically snaps Luke's neck because Stefan's dead and they want the, the twins to do a spell to bring him through back through Bonnie the same way the Travelers did. 
They're still under the false impression that Bonnie, as the anchor, can also be brought brought back from the other side. Yeah. Despite the fact that she is, she was technically a ghost when she became the anchor. She's lying to Jeremy about it, but by the end of the season, Tyler is now on the other side, having died while possessed. Elena is there. Damon is there. Stefan is there. Rick is coming. Lexi back. and Alaric. <laughs> Le- Lexi and Alaric have been chilling there for years yeah. at this point. <laughs> And of course, Luke is there. So Liv decides to do the spell, bring them all back. She channels the the deaths of all the travelers who who blow up once Elena and Damon crash their car into the gas-filled Mystic Grill, where they've gathered the travelers. And as they pass through Bonnie, they're able to steal their little trick that they used to bring Marcos back and start to bring back the people who have died. And I I, I love that Silas shows up again because by then I'd only, honestly forgotten about it. <laughs> Because honestly, he dies in episode 7 and then that's it for Silas. It was fun to see him pop up again. (laughs) He shows up again and he's like, I'm going to come back to life as well. And I'm like, oh really? I would have thought you would want to go into the suite hereafter so you could be with Amara. Was that not your whole personality trait? I suppose he did not trust that the, (laughs) the collapse of the other side would send him the right way, considering everything he's done. So I guess he was cutting his losses. Silas was like, listen, if Catherine Pierce went to hell, I'm definitely going to hell. <laughs> I also love that as he comes back, he's like up to the douche level. He's so... <laughs> he's almost a parody of himself in that last episode. He keeps calling himself a perfect specimen of man. He keeps referring to how beautiful he is, which is not unlike Silas, but it just felt dialed up to 11 for that last episode. It was crazy. Listen, with with Amara and Ketsia gone, he needed a new personality trait. He's like, who am I without the women in my life? (laughs) (laughs) Just some guy. He's just Silas. But he he doesn't he doesn't manage to get back. In a very satisfying moment, Bonnie allows him to slip away, and I'm like, oh right, this guy murdered your father in front of you. Yeah, screw him. First thing she says when he comes back, she goes, Silas, you murdered my father. Deserved. Deserved. But Liv, for her part, even once she has managed to bring Luke back, she insists on continuing to do the spell. I'm not sure where her loyalty is coming from at that point. I'm like, oh, it's it's nice that you care about these people, but. I thought you were only doing this for your brother. But she's like, no, no, I promised them I would help them. So I'm going to keep going. And I was like, okay. I mean, you were fine with lying to these people for most of the season, but okay. (laughs) I think she felt guilty. I think, well, Tyler was also still on the other side. And I think she did feel guilty about putting everyone in a rough spot, especially after like, it might've been after Stefan's death. I think Caroline had gotten through to her a little bit. I do not think that at that point she cared about Tyler that much, but... uh, Are they not like... (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Her and Tyler were very much not a thing yet. Yeah, this is still season season five. That's so... even better then, because then that just shows that, like, hey, she feels guilt. She's not a bad person. She does want to, like, help these guys out. So I appreciate that. You see that a lot with these two, where they end up roped into Witchy Woo Woo, and they're, it's kind of like, why would you have any reason to help these people? And they're just like, eh, and it's like, oh, yeah, some people are nice. You forget sometimes in the Vampire Diaries that some people will just help. (laughs) (laughs) As I said, once Bonnie is no longer a witch, we needed someone to come and fix all the problems. So... 
lo and behold, we get Luke and Liv. But unfortunately, because people are dilly-dallying <laughs> on the other side before passing through Bonnie, and boy, do they have time for some silly they conversations. I'm like, just touch around. this woman and pass through. <laughs> they're all standing side by side. They're like, no, we want everyone to be here. We go through together. And it's like, you, I hope you all get stuck. I hope you all get trapped <laughs> on the other side. Wasting my time. Liv is bleeding out in that crypt. But y'all don't care. Liv is bleeding out. Luke is begging her to stop. And eventually he does stop her because he decides, screw these people. I love my sister. I'm not going to let, sh- let her die for these strangers. He stops the spell and Damon is the only person left on the other side because Lexi decided to sacrifice herself for the man that killed her. I, I She did it for Stefan, I understand. She did it for Stefan. But... She vocalized that she was doing it for Stefan, and so it's okay. And you know what? She finds peace, as she deserves. Yes. As the darkness comes for her, she's like, you're not going to get me. And she, get me. she lets go. <laughs> she feels she's fulfilled her duty to Stefan, and she finds peace. And I'm like, yes, girl, you deserve it. You have been on the other side for longer so than long. I think... <laughs> Maybe longer than any character apart from Ketsia who we meet in the show. Well, okay, Ketsia and Esther. Right. Apart from those two. Longer than She's even... been there longer than the tomb vampires. Longer, longer than, than... No, she shows up just after Vicky. She shows up just after Vicky. Okay, guys. okay, okay. So apart from Esther, Vicky, and Ketsia. Mm. <laughs> of, the, of the vampires, she's been there the second longest. Liv fails to bring back Damon from the other side. And so when when the other side collapses, he and Bonnie, who is the anchor, are seemingly sucked into oblivion. And that's how season five ends. And then in season six, we learn that, no, uh, Bonnie's grandmother had made a deal. She'd managed to save her granddaughter and, by extension, Damon, who happened to be holding her hand at the time. I hadn't realized the hand holding was so important, Me but it either. was. Me it's the either. fact that he what, held her hand. How he lucked out, bloody bastard. <laughs> God. And and you know, that very fact, like, colors, I, <laughs> I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk. I'll, I'll bring it up later. <laughs> but I have thoughts. So Damon and Bonnie end up in another plane of existence because my lord, the Vampire Diaries universe is just chock full of different planes of existence. Just all laid on top of each other. You know, I, it's <laughs> like, I would love to see the the TBD version of Yggdrasil and all the different <laughs> just worlds. Just a quick diagram on the giant tree. <laughs> just like, you've got the material world, you've got the other side, you've got prison worlds, you've got the ancestral plane from New Orleans, you've got well. actual hell, <laughs> you've got wherever peace is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they end up in a 1994 world where they are forced to relive the same day over and over and over again i forget what the exact date is it's may, um, 10th, is it may 10th 1994 may 10th ah. um shine by collective soul is playing on the radio and they are making pancakes i love that song and i remember the first time i watched that episode being so excited randomly in the opening episode at the end that that song started playing so damon and bonnie spend four months trapped in the same day i don't know how they were keeping track of time i'm not saying it would have been impossible i just know for me i would have lost interest in keeping count of the days before the first month was up it it helps that there were two people i i just my own brain i don't think could stay focused on trying to keep track of days when i've been reliving the same day and because <laughs> because i'm so finicky about accuracy if i thought for a second that i'd missed one day or added an extra day i'd be like there's no point it's i could over. be wrong so why bother <laughs> and there's no oh, way to God. check there's no way to check <laughs> 
Oh man. Yeah, no, just a quick tally count. You the day still moves as days do. It is the solar eclipse every day, but like day night cycle still twenty four hours. You know, if you're dedicated, you can do it. I guess, but it's like, what if you... I guess they didn't really have much to do to distract them from keeping track of the days. It's not like they were, like, interacting Making with Making pancakes, running completing errands. that crossword, going grocery shopping, even though one of them doesn't really need to eat. Which I am... I am so fascinated to about... the Well, fascinated may not be the right word, but is Damon just, like, feeding on Bonnie for that whole four months? Because I don't... I assume, because... That. Because he doesn't desiccate unless they're going to to slaughterhouses. Like hospitals they are, in the area. Yeah, yeah. Because it seems that like inanimate objects but then... do exist. But also, even though the day starts over again and again, it doesn't seem like Reset those inanimate objects. objects restock themselves. No, but that's I prefer that because at least there is weight to it. It alarms me that there is a snapshot of the world that is seemingly so easily made. By a witch, essentially, because we do find out later that a witch made this. That just copies everything from our real world. And so, apart from living creatures, because I don't think there are animals as well. I know there's no no people, no I don't no, know no animals. creatures. But, like, items all exist. So, every magical item that exists in the real world now also exists in a snapshot world, in, in, in this prison world. And that causes a lot of problems later that just seem like a huge oversight. Yeah, on this, on the part yeah, of the they do. created this. Because, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, but that's a we'll very good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, while Damon and Bonnie are trapped on this 1994 May 10th prison world, this, this, this loop, Stefan has already given up trying to get them back, but he does mention, I think it's to Caroline, that during his months of searching, he has encountered something called the Gemini Coven. Tell him that there is no way to bring back someone from the other side once it has ceased to exist. Fool that I am, I thought this was just like a throwaway name that he was mentioning <laughs> that wouldn't be that important. I was I was young and ignorant. Yeah, we known. didn't understand the full <laughs> weight of a name like the Gemini Coven. Why would you ever think <laughs> twice about that? <laughs> I should have known that, that that would come back to be important because Damon and Bonnie quickly find out that the weird limbo that they're trapped in, which Damon, narcissist that he is, first assumes that it's it's his personal hell. Bonnie suspects that there is somebody else in this prison world because she's been she's been noticing things like a crossword that was finished by neither of them. Damon is in denial because, you know, Damon, he's not a believer. This is the man who was a vampire and didn't believe in werewolves until he met one. So... Yeah. So why would he ever make any <laughs> rational... <laughs> she says that the crossword was filled in by someone else and Damon flat out refuses to believe her. But the, the, the 27 across that she maintains she didn't fill in is Yellow Leadbetter. Yellow Leadbetter is a song by a band called Pearl Jam. Again... This is 1994 Portland, Oregon. Well, they're in Mystic Falls, but like Portland, Oregon. Um, I believe Pearl Jam is like a, a Seattle grunge band. Um, I very recently got into them and they released that song in 1992. So not something Bonnie was likely to know because she wasn't even born the time that song was released. And I don't think her dad listens to Pearl Jam. 
We will never know what Bonnie's dad listens to because he's one of many characters who is not remotely fleshed out. He is he is a parent whose personality is I care about my child. That's it. Yeah, and even then. But like it, it's crazy that Damon just flat out refuses to believe rather than look at the thing and just like think for two seconds. While in this prison world, Bonnie, who had died as a witch and had been a ghost who couldn't do magic and then had been the anchor who still couldn't do magic and was now in this weird limbo 1994 May 10th repeat had supposedly been trying to see if her magic had come back. I don't know why she thought that it would have. I I, I never quite understood the mechanics of witches doing magic as ghosts because when she was a ghost and not the anchor, it didn't seem like she could do magic. And in season three, they specifically say the only reason that Esther could do magic in the real world from the other side is because her talisman was there. The necklace that Elena ends up owning, which had belonged to Rebecca initially. I guess she does do magic at, is it the end of season four when she drops the veil in the midst of the expression triangle? But that's because everyone was corporeal, so she should be able to yeah. do magic. But I think if... If vampires are able to maintain vampirism on the other side, why aren't witches able to maintain their magic? Witches, I mean, witches have some some perks. They they they're able to move around the other side freely and interact, whereas everyone else is sort of supposed to be alone and invisible so I to guess everyone that's else. What they get. And we do see that other witches can do magic from the other side. Emily does it. The witches from the house, the five hundred dead witches, they they do it. They they torture Grams to punish Bonnie and. They, they channel their magic through Bonnie. So I don't know, maybe maybe Ghost Bonnie was an experience and that's why she couldn't do it. <laughs> also in the prison world, she's not a ghost. She's very much alive. They were shunted into a prison world that was a snapshot of reality. And so she was corporeal. Which, once again, the the mechanics, the, the metaphysics of however the hell that works. <laughs> the other side collapsing is the huge loophole of the show. It's it's very much the Korra season two harmonic convergence where it's like we can do whatever the hell we want now. Really, they could. Like, <laughs> so eventually, Damon and Bonnie find out that oh, this this snapshot of 1994 is home to one person and one person only, and that is a young man named Malachi Parker, played by Chris Wood. Played by Chris Wood, who some of you might know as Monel from Supergirl, the CW series. He he married the lead actress from that series. Um, and we love them. I think I haven't checked in on them in a while. Don't quote me. I, I, <laughs> I, I say this hoping they're still married. Last time I checked yeah. in. Uh, I um, think so. <laughs> and listen, Chris is a very charming actor. The way that he plays Monel on Supergirl is initially this douchey guy who you can see means well and has a heart of gold, but he has to but learn to like such grow an up. Idiot. Yeah, yeah he, has, <laughs> he has to grow up and actually become the nice guy. But but all all the while he's very he's very charming, he's very charismatic, and he brings that to the character Kai. Mm, sure. Which unfortunately, <laughs> because it's the Vampire Diaries and Vampire Diaries fans, you know, we're insane. In different ways. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit, even even me, I'm a little insane. But some of the <laughs> Vampire Diaries fans have no ability to see a charming, attractive actor play a character and be like, oh, you're giving a good performance. The person you play, the character you play is a terrible it's person. deplorable. <laughs> <laughs> they, they cannot do that. They saw Kai <laughs> and immediately fell in love with him. <laughs> oh, God. It's a not healthy... 
as we now ju- like sort of jump in full tilt into the glory of Kai, I do want to make a disclaimer. <laughs> a lot of words are thrown around about Kai, and then I believe at some point in the text it is addressed that this character, and I mean this literally, is a sociopath. Yep. The term sociopath and the term psychopath are terms that we throw around as a society in media and in real life just when we like don't like people yeah. and when we think people are just a little bit shitty. But I do want to, since we're launching into this character who is quite literally a sociopath, I do want to like make clear those are very real. I believe the official diagnosis today is called antisocial personality disorder. Yeah. And we are not medical professionals. We'll be calling to attention the fact that like the real life perception around that word and then the issue in media when we make sociopath and psychopath interchangeable with evil or villainous that sort of thing and that's something we're probably going to be talking about so just want to throw that out there do your own research consider the language you use and i don't know learn more about antisocial personal disorder because you know People who have these disorders aren't inherently bad and a lot of them, you know, get therapy or are speaking with professionals to sort of acclimatize them more to society. So, you know, that's that. I just want to put that out there and that's all. Anyway. Thank you. Now getting into Kai, who is a villain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm glad you brought that up, especially if you do your own research part, because I had, I have forgotten that Kai explicitly describes himself as a literal sociopath until I got to that episode during the rewatch. But even even when I knew I was diving into Kai to research uh, for the podcast, I thought to myself, he's definitely one of those two things. And I tried to Google, as I have many times before, I tried to Google the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. And I got so many conflicting answers where the only, the, the only consistency I can find is that the, there is a very fine line. <laughs> um, and the, the two have major distinctions but also some things in common a little bit of overlap yeah Mm -hmm. we can we can put a pin in that because i'd like to go back and examine how if kai were a psychopath rather than a sociopath what might the differences in his personality and the the way that he behaves i'll try my best um (laughs) just just with because i because i i find it really interesting and i was trying to understand where where kai would fit in because he as as soon as we're introduced to him, he's he's a he's a very playful guy, mm-hmm. and I, I I I've got to love the way that the way that uh, Chris Wood performs him and the way that he oh he's he brilliant directed I imagine and the way it's written because uh, it would have been easy to keep going the menacing route because you know Klaus was menacing, Marcos was menacing, Catherine is playful, but you can you can feel the danger when she enters a room and she wants to do something bad like. When she enters the room and she's flirting with Stefan, you're like, okay, now she's just being silly. But <laughs> when she when she enters a room and she wants to try and murder John for like the fifth time, yeah, <laughs> she makes the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. But Kai Kai has this unsettling ability to seem harmless. Yes, when he's not outright saying disturbing things, like when he's. When, when he's just speaking normally, you wouldn't think... He doesn't seem threatening. Mm. It's, it's, it's impressive. It's, it's crazy that in after five seasons of bad guys who are like 
again, with the language that we tend to throw around, you might apply these sorts of labels to, like you're saying, your Klaus's, your Catherine's, even your Damon early on, and then again later on, um, who do all these and again and again and again and again and again and again, (laughs) who do all these awful things and don't seem necessarily to care about the impact, but then you see them have these like strong emotional connections with at least some people, even if it's not like the general populace. But they are always overtly dangerous, right? They intend to impose, they intend to harm. There is a tangible physicality to their, like, villainy. Whereas Kai is sort of just vibing most of the time. And then it's like, (laughs) okay, well, I want this thing. And you're not going to give it to me. So I guess I'm just going to have to harm you. (laughs) It's it's not malicious. (laughs) It's not like... It's not like callous it's it's a very simple like like logical thought process and i find it so fascinating there's almost like a childlike innocence to his evilness <laughs> and his villainy like it's a, i wouldn't say childlike but i would say juvenile there is a juvenile yeah okay juvenile juvenile mm-hmm. would be a better word there's a yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. a juvenile way in which klaus not klaus uh kai <laughs> see all these k's are coming back to haunt me <laughs> Together, <laughs> soon i'll be calling together. him catherine <laughs> um no there's a there, there there is a juvenile energy with which um kai immediately enters the scene he's like lounging about on the the display furniture in the supermarket where damon and bonnie are looking for things he reveals that he's been spying on them for weeks now which i guess is why he filled in a crossword and then ran away <laughs> without telling them he was there <laughs> And then you kind of have to go, did he do that because he was just like so frustrated about them not getting it? Or was he willingly revealing himself because they were finally in a point where they could do what he needed? But like, it's it's so hard to gauge his intent at any point until he tells you what his intent is, which is also just like another fascinating element of it. He enjoys having the power in the situation in like a very gleeful way sometimes almost pointlessly right it's like you don't really gain anything by keeping stuff from these people they are these are people you have roped into helping you and you're just kind of keeping things a secret for 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 shits and gigs it's so wild and he almost immediately tells them about his backstory i mean bonnie starts to figure it out because she she happens to have found a newspaper talking about this this family that were almost all all brutally killed in Portland, Oregon, which is where Kai is from. And he's introduced himself as Kai, but Malachi Parker is the name that's in the article. And Bonnie quickly figures out, oh, this is him, Damon. This guy (laughs) killed his whole family. This person is a monster. (laughs) And Kai doesn't try to deny it. He doesn't try to explain. He speaks about it with this frankness, like he's going, yeah, guys, I'm going to explain to you why I like rap music. Like, the thing about Kendrick Lamar is... <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It's all on the same level for him of like, yeah, I brutally killed four of my siblings and maimed the one, and then the others kind of got away from me. Um, Check out this cool rock I found. <laughs> As opposed to Catherine, who often revels in the stuff she's done, but from more of like a, you know what, I don't have to justify my actions to you, but I will. Horrible things happen to me, and yes, I will always put myself first and throw other people on the bus. I want to be alive, and that's my first priority. Hate me if you want to. (laughs) 
or 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 Klaus, who's like, you know, no one loves me, and I need yeah. to rule the world through fear. So I'm gonna be bad so that you're scared of me, and I get what I want out of you. Kai is just like, no, I I I murdered most of my brothers and sisters, and then oh no, I I I didn't kill I didn't kill one of my sisters. I only cut out her spleen because <laughs> she was my favorite. Um, and when Damon when Damon and Bonnie express horror, he's like, what? You, you can, can survive, survive without a spleen. <laughs> I think uh, this might be later when him and Barney are having dinner and he talks about his brother Joe. <laughs> There's two different times he speaks of a brother. Like on that first day, he mentions that he drowned one of his brothers. Oh. Um, and he's like, yeah, he, he, he kept fighting until the very end. And like for the first time, you, you see like this flicker of negative emotion in him as like the memory makes him feel frustrated because he's like, he's like, I, ke- I kept thinking you ungrateful little brat. I saved you for last. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> and then much, much later on in the, in the season when he's talking to Bonnie and um, no, it's not Bonnie. It's actually Elena. He's speaking oh. to Elena who he's kidnapped. Because Elena has to always get kidnapped. Yeah, as a and Elena's like trying to search for like an ounce of goodness in him or something. I don't know. <laughs> he meant he mentions that he and his brother used to play this video game that his brother would always beat him in. Um, and then he says one time he finally beat him, and it was one of his favorite memories. Mm, and then he follows up by saying, "Of course, my favorite memory is when I beat him to death." <laughs> And it's and it's in that scene that he tells Elena in no uncertain terms, don't try to humanize me, don't try to like fix me. I am what I am, and I like what I am. I he actually enjoy he says who it all right. He's like he's, he's like, I like myself the way I am. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I maybe it's awful to laugh at all the terrible things we just said, but like there's something about and I think I said this in the Jeremy episode that like when there's a character that's just like unabashedly awful there is almost a license to just kind of like enjoy and revel in it right and it's the benefit of like he's so comedic in in such a like bracing way kai is it's it's he will drop the most haunting statements so casually and then just tone change to something else it's it's crazy I love it. He was he was such a refreshing villain because I mean season five, as I've often said, Slug. not a very Slug exciting fish. season, unfortunately. Or at least not a very exciting season once once Silas dips. It's like uh, the traveler. <laughs> mm, it's the travelers, and then it's Enzo, and then it's Augustine, and then it's the Ripper virus, which is probably the worst thing they've done on that show. I had actually completely forgotten how they even got rid of the Ripper virus, that there was like a literal cure. And I was yeah. like, oh, I, I thought you just, I don't know, got over it or something. Like, you learned to control it. So yeah, um, Damon and Bonnie meet Kai, who tells them that because of the, the rampage that he went on, he was imprisoned by his coven in this mystical prison world. And that coven turns out to be the earlier mentioned Gemini coven, uh, whom Stefan had gone to which is a, a pure coincidence, I guess. <laughs> Stefan, when, when Stefan went looking for answers, they had no idea that Damon and Bonnie were in a prison world that they had created. Yeah. Because yep. they, found, they found the back door and snuck in. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like, I don't even know how that happened. Like, we, we later on learned that this prison world that Kai is in 
is created using a celestial event like a full moon, an eclipse, an aurora borealis, planets aligning. In this in this instance, an eclipse, a solar eclipse specifically, and uh, a contraption called an ascendant. Really cool looking steampunk item. I like it very much. What what does an ascendant actually do? Like in real life? Oh, it's I. <laughs> it never occurred to me that it might be a real thing. One second, let me look it up. I think. Oh, I just I just assumed you have a wealth of knowledge, so I just assumed you would know. The closest thing I thought about was a sextant, which is the thing that like um ships used to use old timey ships before we got like electronic navigation. You used to use a sextant, which is almost like a tele a short telescope with a bracket, like a rounded bracket that you would use to navigate. There is ascendant in astrology which is, I know that's your rising sign, but I forget what it means, like, astrologically. Uh, the ascendant or rising sign is the astrological sign on the eastern horizon when the person was born, signifies a person's physical appearance and awakening consciousness. In astrology, it also means on or close to the intersection of the ecliptic with the eastern horizon. What is the ecliptic? Let's find out. <laughs> Science lesson, guys. <laughs> this is uh, a great circle on the celestial sphere representing the sun's apparent path during the year, so-called because lunar and solar eclipses can only occur when the moon crosses it. This raises an issue because if it's an ascendant and it's so tied to eclipses, how come it can be any celestial yeah. event? <laughs> yeah, because they end up... Yeah, that's... Uh, Vampire Diaries... <laughs> You got it's me fine. again. It's just a name. It's okay. Maybe they just named it because they were being fancy. We learned that this cool contraption called an Ascendant can be used in tandem with a celestial event to create these snapshot prison worlds in, in which the day of the celestial event will happen forever and leave, leave a person or persons stuck inside this limbo for all eternity with no no duplicates of any living creature uh, along with them. And you can't die. But seemingly duplicates of everything else. Yep, it seems so. It really does seem so because Damon's car is there in 1994 in very good condition. A bunch of cars from the 90s are just all there and they all remain brand new. We'll get to the other stuff that remains <laughs> in the you, world. You, you have to wonder how many times this prison world would have come in handy up until this point it is like the, the minister ministry of magic time turner of the vampire diaries universe it really like, is why don't we just keep jumping back to a prison world if we need something that's like super you important. know the the <laughs> the daggers that neutralize originals uh the we white oak stakes Daggers and white oak stakes. The white oak stakes are probably there. The the Wickery Bridge <laughs> sign. The the freaking Gilbert device. Oh <laughs> like, my god! Imagine how many the moonstone. How many moonstones and daylight rings and talismans you would have? It's such a plot hole. Well, I guess you'd need the magic to like open it up, but it is a crazy thing to create. Yeah, and we and we learned that uh, surprise, surprise, the magic that you need to open up this prison world is mm -hmm. a Bennett witch. <laughs> you would hope you meet these Gemini coven witches, right? And you're like, okay, white, white, okay, all of them are white. Nope, we still gotta rope the Bennets into it. Somehow the Bennets are tied into it. Oh yeah, Sheila Bennett was an old family friend of ours, and she helped us make blah 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 blah. And for some reason, we need Bennett blood to open it up. Why on earth? I don't know. Give their blood over. They, 
they mention they mentioned that Sheila helped um seal Kai away, but you have to wonder why. Why did they why? need Sheila's help? The Gemini Coven is supposedly so strong. Once Bonnie learns that Liv is a witch in season five, she says a line which I personally disagree with. We can dive into it in a Bonnie episode, but she says, you're more powerful than I ever was. And I'm like, Liv is more powerful than you were when you had expression and the hundred dead witches magic. And you've oh, okay. resurrected people from the dead. A thing Liv is never able to do and says, I won't be able to do that. But I'm like, okay, so the canon is the Gemini Coven is very strong, stronger yeah, than... I'm- I mean, if if the Gemini Coven were able to make prison worlds that are snapshots of reality, I would say they're pretty powerful. So it's like, why did you, why did you need assistance? The only <laughs> thing I can think of is that perhaps they wanted there to be a an external component so that it could never be a thing of anyone in our coven can we can just decide to bring these people back. Um, Which of course puts reason. the Bennets in danger because now it's another reason someone wants to hunt down a Bennet for their blood. To, to use this ascendant and crack somebody out from jail from astral jail <laughs> i think i've said it to you before outside the podcast but i would i would love a teen titans go version of the vampire diaries <laughs> universe it right. would be insane just imagine the the bennett witches as like this corporate like family business like their their blood is their main their main product because everyone always needs a bennett witch and bennett blood like <laughs> Bennett blood is their biggest product. (laughs) (laughs) Like I need to see it. It's like, oh, like, do you are you are you hunting doppelgangers? Are you trying to create the other side? Are you trying to get into a a limbo prison world? Are you trying to open a sealed tomb under a church? (laughs) (laughs) We have something for everyone. (laughs) Are you trying to resurrect the world's first immortal? Use Bennett blood for all your magical needs. <laughs> Side effects include nausea, headaches, <laughs> magical <laughs> flames, transmutation, and death. <laughs> uh, I I get that. I get that because Bonnie is the central witch character. They need a way to always tie Bonnie to everything. But by can, this point can in it the show, stop being using up her body and blood. Can it stop being like her commodification? Can it be anything other than that? I would have even been fine with Bonnie being a specific subset of witch that they need because of her rarity. Not that it's always her family and it's always like her ancestry that is forcing her to be a tool. The optics of like one of the only black characters yeah. in the show. Yeah. And it's usually white characters who come and steal her blood. It's it's yeah, just the yeah. vibes are off. It's just like she she always needs to help you because of her ancestors. Like, hmm? uh-huh. no one thought that maybe this looked a little. No, <laughs> they didn't. No, they didn't. They had her waving at men in Confederate outfits <laughs> on a parade day and smiling. Oh, no. Nobody thought waving, about it for Zion. Waving at her at her Latino friend wearing a Confederate soldier <laughs> costume. <laughs> it's crazy that it was Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, whose family had a cellar that cannot like oh. the, the official report is it owned it was for slaves but it was actually for werewolves yep yep they were like rather we be known as slave owners <laughs> than have this dark family secret oh, i God. i mean i certainly hope it wasn't both since there were clearly periods where they weren't aware of the whole werewolf thing 
Oh, I I fully believe there were I I fully believe there were slave owners. There's no reason for them not to have been. Virginia, yeah. 1800s founders family, all of those founders yeah. families were slave also, owners. Also, they're There's they're like no the richest family in town, and exactly. <laughs> Mayor Virginia <laughs> of Mystic Falls. Yes, yes, he had enslaved people in his home. Kai tells Damon and Bonnie that they can get out of this uh, prison world, his prison, and back into the real world if Bonnie spill a little Bennett witch blood on the ascendant and stand underneath the eclipse and say the say the not Latin Latin they will be able to get back into the corporeal world. I gotta love how at this point, Damon and Bonnie don't even think to themselves for a second that, hey, you know how we were both dead when the other side collapsed Mm -hmm. and Kai was alive when he was put into this prison world? Who's to say that the mechanics of him getting out are the same as the mechanics of us getting out? Like, we might just cease to exist if we leave. We would. We might just pop out of here and go straight to oblivion. But you know what? Rather that than this prison world, I'm not gonna lie. Bonnie has the utmost faith in her gram. She's like, my grams must have intended for me to get out. And I'm like, <laughs> was there no time for Sheila to explain all of this to you she- as the other side was collapsing? This is like, Sheila chooses not to tell her. I've made arrangements. You don't have to worry. And I'm like, you didn't want to tell her that you sent her to a prison world with a psychopath. <laughs> Sheila tells her, stay strong, my child. And Bunny's like, what the hell are you talking about? And Sheila's like, Mm-mm. don't you worry your pretty little head about it, little girl. You'll see. And then she heads off to heaven. After sending she heads off to heaven. To this prison <laughs> world with Kai Parker. Who she knew was there. She locked him away. She heads off to heaven after after leaving her grandchild with this one-way ticket to limbo with a murderous psychopath. <laughs> who, by the way, Bonnie, Bonnie didn't even need Kai to get out. And I don't think Sheila intended Damon to come along with or gave a damn what happened to Damon. So I'm like, you could have just told Bonnie, hey, there's this thing called an Ascendant. Find it. Get the hell out of that prison world. Easy. Instead, Bonnie spends four months chilling there trying to figure stuff out. <sighs> Goodness, Sheila, I love you, but you could have just a little bit more, <laughs> just a little bit more info, my love. Oh, so man. Damon being Damon is is only concerned with getting back to Elena, uh-huh. shocker. But Bonnie is like, I am not going to let this murderer, this serial killer, <laughs> this sociopath in the literal sense. I know I said psychopath earlier, but like in, in, the, in the literal sense, he's a sociopath. Who has said, my plan is to get out there and kill the rest of my family for trapping me here, so... Thanks. I mean, gotta give him credit. He doesn't even he doesn't even lie about it or act like it's something that he needs to hide. He's like, hey guys, I'm gonna help you get out of here and then we can go our separate ways. By the way, when I leave, I'm gonna kill my family. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> like, so what's your plan when you uh, go off on spring break? <laughs> you do get a brief little moment, which I'm, I'm glad they don't harp on too much about this because it could have really turned him into another Klaus. But you do get a brief moment where he's like, Oh, I'm not a I'm not a normal witch. I am not able to create my own magic in my body. I can suck magic out of other people and we later on learn other things. But because of the unnaturalness of my magic's nature, I was seen as this abomination. I was seen as, you know, this this thing to be ashamed of, this freak, and my family treated me that way, and that's why I don't like them all that much. But it's not something that Kai keeps bringing up for the rest of the season. Sure. Like he doesn't he doesn't act as though, "Oh, I'm only bad because my family alienated me." And I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that that he's just messed up cuz he's messed up. And yeah. it's not like 
it's yes and no on my end because ultimately he does a lot of horrible things and it is by choice. But there is a through line there and I'll touch on it later because of course we then get to meet other people later that color this whole timeline of events. But he's a siphon. He doesn't create magic. He sucks magic from other things. By definition and by like the way that witches work and balance and nature and all that crap. Already from birth, he was kind of set up to be a failure in the family's eyes. Not just a failure, but like an affront to what they are. And so there's an argument to be made that the cards were stacked against him from day one. And he says, as much as it's very brief, he does say, they called him an abomination. He's a child at this point, right? He didn't choose to be born a siphon. He doesn't fully understand how magic works because assumedly they didn't teach him magic. When he does eventually get magic, it's clear that he's like, he's throwing sort of whatever comes naturally until he like actually like starts to call back knowledge. It doesn't seem like anyone was like, meeting him where he was. So it's not unthinkable that he began to spiral. You add on top of that, the fact that like he was showing traits of antisocial personality disorder, which I mean, <laughs> if these guys were upset about the siphon thing, I don't think they were going to be helping him through that. So all these things just kind of compound. So, I mean, that's a fair read on it. I was thinking of it in the, in the more, in, in the, the simpler sense that one could argue that Klaus and Catherine are absolutely the way they are because circumstances made them that way and not that their not that their intrinsic personality traits would be wildly different yeah i mean at their core they probably are still the same people but it was definitely klaus's upbringing that made him the way he was and Catherine's being terrorized by klaus <laughs> that made her the way she was yeah whereas i'm like kai i don't think that your family alienating you and making you feel like a freak turned you into someone who is comfortable with wanton murder. murdering people you've never even met yeah like <laughs> yeah like like it's it's one thing for him to hate the parker family but there there are many people that he just kills with without a drop of hatred in his heart just because he wants to in that moment because it's it's convenient or it's entertaining or whatever and i'm like i don't think this is the gemini coven's fault <laughs> It becomes iffy there because then you're sort of supposed to go, okay, is it the sociopathy? But then that becomes weird to kind of link the two of like, well, then that means if you're a sociopath, then implicitly you're far more okay with murdering people. But that is how it's played where it's like, yeah, he strangles a taxi driver when he gets back to the real world because he was kind of annoying him and because he couldn't pay the fare. Because he couldn't so pay the like, fare. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to kill him. Problem solved. I'm like, you could have probably run away or... I can't remember whether he, he still had money on him. I mean, he, he still had magic in him at that point. He could have turned invisible, <laughs> which uh, is the is the Gemini cover. The bread and butter. That's their signature spell. I'm so... <laughs> I love the fact that they have a signature style. I love the Invisique. Going, going back a few steps, Bonnie is adamant that she does not want to let Kai out because he's terrible. Damon is willing to risk it all to get back to Elena. And eventually, because of a series of unfortunate mistakes, uh, Bonnie ends up sending... Damon back and leaving herself behind with Kai and a broken ascendant. She, I think, 
throws a, a hammer into his chest with the peen side into no with the with the yeah ball and peen yeah, was it was it not side. a hatchet was it a hatchet i thought it was a hammer for some reason some sort of tool i that thought has like a it was like a axe type thing oh it was a pickaxe you're right she throws a pickaxe into his chest because this whole time he's been implying that he's the only way for them to get home and he's been sort of terrorizing barney sucking out her magic and threatening her and then when she realizes that actually they don't need him, she throws a pickaxe into his chest to disable him and then tries to get them out. But then he comes back and shoots her with a crossbow, which I don't know where he just got a crossbow. Shoots an arrow into her abdomen and then she decides, well, I guess I'm not making it out. I'm going to magic Damon and send him out because he deserves to live his happy life. Well, it's it's less about Damon and more about, about Elena, Elena, but it's still annoying. She's like, I got to I got to send Elena back the man she loves. And I'm like, Bonnie, some people don't even stay together in the end. Elena might not even end up with this man. You are her friend. I think she loves you, too. Like, I think you could have switched the priorities a little bit there. And I don't think anyone would have blinked an eye. You know, also, I'm like, you are the Bennett witch. You could always come back for Damon later with, like, an army of vampire friends. Damon, who's a vampire and can easily survive Kai because once you're gone, he doesn't have a source of magic to siphon. It's kind of insane, actually, the plan she chooses. I guess she couldn't levitate herself to the moonlight, you know? I I don't think I've ever seen a witch fly themselves. They only ever fly other people. Which is a pity, and once again, the special effects of Vampire Diaries coming up short. But um, on the on the point of special effects, I do appreciate that Kai's siphoning ability does have a visual effect. There's that dull, reddish-orange glow around his hands whenever he's touching someone or something mm, and sucking matter. the magic out of it. It's lovely. Later on, he is still with Bonnie, and he... F- he starts to fix the Ascendant because he's like, you know what? Every day is an eclipse here and I've still got my Bennett Witch, which means every day I have a chance to get out. Yeah. He's insistent that he's going to find his way out. And Bonnie, he and Bonnie do a whole like back and forth cat and mouse thing. She runs away. She tries to escape him. He hunts her down. He captures her. One episode where they have a sequence where she's very final girl in a horror movie and he's the slasher chasing after her. It's kind of awful. Uh, more awful than I remember it, it no, being. No, it's, it's, it's awful. I don't want to... I do not want to minimize it. Yeah. Like, he no, drugs her. No, this is the thing. He has already shot her with an arrow. He strangles her in a car, which... I'm not sure how he got into that car. No idea. They don't address it. <laughs> he ties her up and locks her in a trunk. It's There's weirdly comedic bits in between where they're just, like, bickering and bantering back and forth. Where you kind of come out of it. And But you have to think, like, two seconds ago, he was, like, chasing her down through the supermarket, this dark supermarket with creepy lights, and he's got a weapon, and she's, like, injured and running from him, and then he comes up behind her in the car and grabs her neck, and I'm like, this is horrifying. And then in the immediate next scene, they're just sitting at, like, a dinner table, talking casually like nothing's happened. It's very bizarre. It is. It's so bizarre. And at one point, Bonnie finds herself powerless again, Because she has put her magic away inside a copy of her childhood teddy bear that exists in 1994 Mystic Falls. And she sends said teddy bear back to the real world. Yeah, that's when she's pretending to actually, like, they're trying again with the Ascendant and the Moonlight. And instead of taking them both back, she touches the teddy bear with her foot and sends it through using the Ascendant. 
that way they're both trapped here forever. I'm just like, Bonnie, you are too good for this world <sighs> and all the planes of existence that reside within it because you are willing to stay here forever with this dangerous man just to make sure he doesn't get out into the real it's world. So self-sacrificing. And I'm like, that's not your job. It really isn't. It's not your job. Like, let someone else save the day. You are not an Avenger. <laughs> <sighs> So eventually, Kai takes her to his his childhood home, the copy of his childhood home that exists in this 1994 prison limbo world. And he tells her that he is here to find a new source of magic because her magic is gone in a teddy bear that's no longer in their reality. Mm-hmm. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. And by this point <laughs> in... <laughs> In Kai's case, it might be literal. I don't know. No, I never... You know what? I never see Kai hurt any animals. You know, he does, he doesn't hurt animals. You, you might be that weird scenario where he's, he's one of those people <laughs> who just believes animals are better than people. I hate those people, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that line always smacks us a little bit like classist and racist because I know which people you're talking about when you say you think animals are better than people. I just It, it always feels like a very forced virtue signaling thing to say like oh humans suck and i like dogs better because you know dogs are loyal and i'm like mm, okay it's like, have you thought I about mean... which humans suck really in the real world we've been introduced to the character of dr joe what surname is she is it lachlan Loughlin. I think it's Laughlin, L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. I think you would say Lachlan if you were Irish or Scottish. I forget which. I guess Scottish because Mac, right? Mac Laughlin. But in America, they say McLaughlin. Uh, in, in the Americas, she's Dr. Joe Laughlin, uh, Alaric's new love interest, who, because she's a doctor, would immediately bring Meredith Fell to mind. Yeah. But she's very different from Meredith. She's she's quite different. Oh, completely. She she is aware of the existence of vampires, but she doesn't use their blood to cheat. She was a she was an army medic. Mm, um, so yeah, she's got I forgot experience about that. In the battlefield. Also, Meredith's in Alaska, married to a pediatrician, so you know, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Meredith moved away. She's happily ever after, and out of out of all Alaric's love interests, she she makes it out. She the best, dipped out. She survived. <laughs> she gets the hell away. She's like Mystic Falls. I know. Also, she worked at Mystic Falls Hospital. So once the anti magic bubble came into existence, Her I guess job she was is like, over. "Well, vampire blood won't work here, <laughs> so I have to leave." Oh God, I have to be an actual doctor. Couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> She's I have like, to save nah, people's lives n- with my skills? God, no. <laughs> no, but she... Me- Meredith does say she doesn't like to see people get hurt, and she knows vampire blood can often help, so she's happy to use that cheat. And it now occurs to me that maybe if Meredith had been around to explain when and when not to use vampire blood, certain issues in season six might have been avoided, but we'll deal with that in a Caroline episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Dr. Dr. Joe Laughlin is later on revealed to actually be Josette Parker, mm-hmm. who is the twin sister of Malachi Parker. Unlike him, she has not been stuck in limbo since 1994, so she has aged. Mm. She, I was doing the math of this when she and Rick get together, because Rick's age is kind of nebulous, but I read him as like early 30s when the show opens. So he's at most like 35 by the time we get to yeah. season 6. Which means that Joe's older than him. Rick's dating an older I woman. love it. <laughs> I love it so much! You know what? 
I love it. It's great. She's this badass doctor. She's a combat medic. She's just so cool. Also, random thing. She looks a lot like April Young. She does. I just had to say it because I was like, she does. I'm sure there's a fan fiction out there where April Young is like a long lost Gemini <laughs> relative. God, it would give us something to do. <laughs> Shame. She truly stopped existing after season she, four. They didn't even feel the need to explain it. They said they had to explain where Meredith Fell was when Rick got a new girlfriend, but they didn't care to mention what happened to April Rhodes. Oh, I forget Joe's actress's name, but she was in the show called Hit the Floor, which was about like a basketball team and also the PR firm that managed them and also the cheerleading team that was linked to them. It was a very strange concept, but I think it got like four seasons. You just said April Rhodes, which is a Glee character played by Kristen <laughs> Chenoweth. Uh, we were talking about April Young. <laughs> that wasn't even intense. Oh my God, I didn't even clock it. My name is April Rhodes. I'm Ken's <laughs> I love it. Oh, Kristen oh, Chenoweth. <laughs> love Kristen. Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, that's her name. We see a flashback to, to the day that uh, Kai attacked his family. And I gotta say, I don't know what happened to Mama Parker. Because I never see her. Unmentioned. No name. No discussion. My memory had told me that Kai had killed her too. But then I watched and I was like, nope, that didn't happen. We don't know what happened to her. They specifically say he killed the children. He killed five children. Uh, wasn't it four? Sorry. I think it was four. Killed four, maimed one. That's what it is. But he, five yeah, children killed four, one. maimed one. He stabbed josette with a hunting knife and she managed to hide her two youngest siblings a pair of twins uh, or a set of twins rather named lucas and olivia mm -hmm. uh who it's like oh, gosh big reveal <laughs> luke and liv are also related to kai it's like, <laughs> so well done because they introduce luke and liv so early on right it's like halfway through seasons five luke and liv show up joe comes in first episode of season six and she's like resident doctor adelena's new job no reason to believe she's in any way connected to the supernatural right then you learn she knows about vampires and then you learn she's a witch and like huh okay and then there's little comments right little little snippets of dialogue she tells rick early on when they're like starting to go on dates they're not dating yet that she escaped this like dysfunctional family but she's very important to kai because we learn that she is she is his twin sister which is now the sort of like staggered age gap because she's been aging in the real world while he's been frozen in time reliving the same day over and over but because of their backstory, we see that seemingly the main target of Kai's rage were Luke and Liv as four-year-olds. Yeah. Once Liv had managed to hide them away using that signature cloaking spell, Invisiquay. Sorry, once Joe had managed to hide Luke and Liv away, she agrees to give Kai what he wants, which is to perform this Gemini merging ritual where one of them will absorb all the powers and some traits of the other one and become the all-powerful leader of this Gemini coven. And once we find out this, a lot of stuff starts to fall into place. Firstly, it's like, oh, this is why your family was so big. Yep. Because there are these twins that have a role to fill. The first set of twins that your parents got, one of them was quote-unquote defective because he's a siphon or siphoner. And then you so when you kept, kept having, having kids, kids until you got another set of twins, all the while alienating this 
son of yours who you see as a freak of nature. And this is the thing too con- connected to the thing I was talking about earlier is that he's the firstborn son. And so it's the unfit heir, right? Where it's like, well, because in royal times and in lineages, it's like, well, now we have to keep having children until we have another son because our firstborn son is broken and we need to have like a proper heir on the throne. It's, It's that kind of messed up deal. And also just the the existence of this this infusing ritual. I think we've touched on it before, yeah. but this it's it's giving very much inbreeding to keep the bloodline pure. Yeah, Targaryen, real life European royal family a lot vibes. Of inbreeding ableism. It's not good vibes in this Gemini coven. There's a lot of weird shit going on. <laughs> and while it while while it does seem to work in the sense that Gemini witches are at least in the text supposed to be very strong. Ironically, it's probably also the reason why they have siphons to begin with. Yep. As we later learn, um, Kai is not the only siphon in existence. But before we get ahead of ourselves, <laughs> we see that Joe tricked Kai. And it was on that day that they were supposed to be performing this ritual with her still visibly bleeding out <laughs> from his attack. He's wearing this pink shirt with a rainbow on it and he's so excited and he's like, thank you for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, yeah, yeah sure. Super. And I just... Five minutes ago, he's murdered four of his siblings. <laughs> that's another thing that separates Kai from Klaus and Catherine, where Kai doesn't seem to understand that there's no world in which the people you have hurt the way in which you have hurt them <laughs> would suddenly just be all friendly with it's you the way so that you are able to just switch back and forth. I was trying to understand. I was like, why would you willingly... You don't have magic, right? That's been established. You need to suck it from other people. And you walked into a clearing with Joe, knowing that for this ritual, you need to be surrounded by like 12 other witches (laughs) to do it. And you thought you were all good. You thought you'd be fine. And of course he did. Because Joe told him, okay, I'll do the merge. Why wouldn't she do the merge? (laughs) Why Why would she refuse if she just said she'd do it? Klaus and Catherine, it's very much paranoid the world is out to get me don't trust anyone because i know i'd stab you in the back so why wouldn't you do the same to me <laughs> right whereas kai it's like oh you <laughs> you don't like me <laughs> i thought <laughs> kai is just like how could you betray me i you you promised it's like obviously <laughs> i killed everyone because you all called me an abomination now we're fine like why would you hurt me like this <laughs> He tries to he tries to suck the magic out of her in what I assume is a combination of the the proper mechanics of the Gemini merging ritual and, and also, also his, his siphoning power. Mm-hmm. But he finds there's nothing there. There's there's no magic in her to siphon because she had hidden it in the hunting knife he tried to gut her with. Yep. And she put it inside a tree stump where amazingly it just stayed for 18 years the barest layer of leaves the gemini coven has not cleaned their yard in 20 years also i'm like does a tree stump just stay like exactly the same for two decades it didn't rot away it didn't grow back i think if it's big enough right it just stays like that i think that's the case botanists Fact check us, please. But <laughs> I do think if a tree gets big enough that it like falls over or something and it just leaves a big stump, I think it's like energetically there's no resources to like start from scratch unless there's intervention. But I don't know. I, I'm just like with with like weather. There was no rain or st- they they live in Oregon, Pacific like Northwest. there was no. <laughs> 
there wasn't enough wind to no blow the wind leaves or away. anything. <laughs> it didn't rain and overflow that stump. You know, it didn't fill up with water and like make the knife like bubble out. <laughs> Granted, they did have the house cloaked to all hell because they're the Gemini coven and that's what they do. Maybe the cloak protects them from rain. I guess. And also, it seems like no one went back to the house because Joe says once she'd agreed to betray Kai, she dipped. She left her family behind, changed her name, hid from them. It doesn't seem like they really made an effort to find her after that. Because they'd made a deal. She said that if I entrap Kai for you, then I get to leave this hellhole because i'm no longer needed right for a merge that's true. i need to go and start again because i've been jabbed in the stomach by my own twin i think this is over but i mean <laughs> they said given what happens later on in the season involving joe and you know her family it's strange that her dad and the rest of the coven weren't keeping an eye on her just because of... i think they were i think we see him with those um paper clippings he's been like following her life I think he knew exactly where she was, but just respected her wishes because as far as he was keeping it, Kai was in the prison. So there was no need to like bother Joe in whatever life she was building. Okay, well, I'll, I'll get back to that in a moment. Sure, 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 sure. But it, it, she also seems to have kept her difference from Luke and Liv because she meets them at this Thanksgiving party that the Mystic Falls gang is throwing because she's dating Alaric and Liv is sort of dating Tyler at that point. <laughs> yeah, She's had yeah. this like flirtatious fake fighty thing with him that has like blossomed into a genuine romance, which it's so funny, but I like it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Tyler and Caroline, it's never going to, it's never no going to come back. So fine. Dead if you, in the if you must go ahead, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Luke, Luke is still, uh, Luke is what? He's, on paper, he's single because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not dating his radiology sugar daddy by this Apparently, point. Apparently, he's he's yeah, he's, he's he's got this radiologist he's dating who later on his sister describes as a sugar daddy, and I'm like, oh, so he's older. Okay, <laughs> get it, boy. I mean, <laughs> listen, have your fun. It's all off screen, but you know what? I support you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all off screen. What? Imagine the radiologist is Steven. <laughs> Caroline's I mean, like his husband dad. is dead, so <laughs> he's a free agent. <laughs> Bill Forbes died a while ago. <laughs> if, if, it, if it was Steven, that'd be so sad because oh. he'd be like, God damn it, these Mystic Four kids there's, there's always no messing around out. with my partners. It's freaking German Netflix series dark. Everyone's looped into this knot in this town. There's too many connections. Oh. Hey, Steven's playing in my head now. So at the party, well, Thanksgiving dinner, which is, there's a lot of other dramatic stuff happening in the background, but, uh, well, well, not in the background, in the foreground, but for simplicity's sake, I'll just focus on Luke, Liv, and Joe. Luke is trying to embarrass his sister by showing off, like, childhood home videos of them when they were young. And I think by that point, we as the audience are pretty clued in as to what's going on with who exactly they are. This is the thing, right? Because that moment feels so out of place, but maybe it's just because my family didn't have a lot of old, like, pictures and home video stuff. Maybe that's just something people do, right? But it, it, it hit me so sorry as I'm like, hey guys, do you want to see a video? It's like, why? <laughs> You don't know these people. I think it was mainly Tyler. I think he was just trying to embarrass his sister in front of Tyler because he knew that he they were He just said it out loud to the room. 
assume. I was like, maybe it's because they just mentioned their birthdays coming up, so it's a birthday thing. But I was like, we're at a Thanksgiving celebration, so it seems odd to do the birthday thing now. <laughs> I was just so confused. And there's clearly a lot of weight around the birthday thing. She seems to be upset about it. So really weird, Luke, for you not to clock that. I mean, fair. The plot's got a plot. The plot's got a plot. I will say, though, earlier in that night, when Joe and when Joe and Liv encounter each other, because they've both been independently invited here, she hands over whatever food she's brought for Thanksgiving, and Joe looks at her and is like, have we met? Liv, like, brushes off. She's already in a bad mood, and she's like, no, I don't think I know you. But once the videos start playing, and in the video, a young, I guess, early 20s Joe is talking to the twins, Elena says, hey, that sounds like you. And then Joe's like, that is my voice, and goes to the video and realizes that these are her little brother and sister, two of the only remaining family members she has left. She calls them by their full names, Lucas and Olivia. Olivia! I was relieved. I was like, oh, good. So you weren't named with names that start with the same letter. Okay, it's just your nickname. <laughs> yeah, it's Lucas and Livia, actually. I'm Livia. Well, oh, I don't no. know. <laughs> it's actually O Lucas and Olivia. Um, an apostrophe. <laughs> o Lucas was my father. Call me Luke. <laughs> No, actually, their father is Joshua, which I think is the most insane choice with everything else going on. Joshua You've got Parker. Malachi. A lot of Olivia. biblical names in this family. That's fair. You've got that's Joshua, fair. Lucas, Malachi, Malachi. Mm. Joe. They had a, a a brother named Joe or Joseph. I assume Joseph. That Kai mentions offhandedly. We don't know what the what the ethnicity of the Gemini Covenant is. <laughs> They don't tell us. They might be Greek X. We don't know. Who's to say? I mean, they might be Greek. Oh no! Please don't do that. <laughs> the simulation is falling apart before our very eyes. <laughs> My eyes are glazing over. Is there gas in the room? What's happening? You mentioned that Luke and Liv's birthday is approaching, and yes, indeed, they will be turning twenty-two which is the year in which the chosen Gemini twins must perform the merging ceremony. Get it? Because they're twins, and it's the Gemini coven, 22. Yay, very on the nose. They're a very thematic family. (laughs) I was like, if you really committed to the bit, you would have made them do it when they were two-year-olds. But, okay. (laughs) Just have these toddlers fighting for power. These terrible twos boxing each other with magic. merging a two oh my god so we're eventually informed that how the coven works is that i suppose once a generation since the parker siblings father was the last person to do this merge these gemini twins must do a merge one of them will absorb the powers of the other becoming incredibly strong their life force will then be linked to the coven meaning that if they die everyone in the coven dies crazy choice but who am i they will also inherit some traits of the the twin that they absorb it's something that luke and Liv clearly have been dreading they have this combined sense of duty to their coven and it's 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 sad it's like this it's like this brainwashing thing where joe is very lucky that she got out Mm, mm -hmm. uh because she she wasn't supposed to be able to do it because kai wasn't you know the right the right type of witch and now these younger siblings have it's literally what they were born for they were literally only born to do this their parents insisted on having kids just so that it's these a my twins sister's could be born. keeper situation <laughs> well not really yes! kind of <laughs> i it, it it's it's sad it's it's like that they're they're the spare they're the spare pair <laughs> now i'm thinking of prince harry's book <laughs> spare 
But yeah, and it's like from the time they were four after this traumatic event, which I'm sure is like, even though they don't remember much of it, it's like stored in their subconscious memory, at least the trauma is. And then you've got the weight of an entire coven on your shoulders because now you're the only choice left. But it makes them way more interesting to me than they were in season five. So... Oh, for sure. But also I want to say it, it feels so well set up from season five. This show makes a lot of like out of left field choices with story sometimes but with the way they were referencing their coven and they were talking about like they were describing their interactions and relationship with their coven it, it really colors those moments where they were talking about how messed up their family is and they were talking about how being here is better still even though with all the shenanigans that all these people get up to it's beats being at home with their family and that could have been anything right there's every possibility that the gemini coven stuff only became a thing when they were writing for season six but it gels very well with where they started and what it escalates into it felt like a natural progression it didn't feel too out of left field even the way that their coven is clearly at odds with the travelers in the previous season given the way that the travelers describe all other witch types and how they've corrupted magic and their magic is not pure and it's not what it should be uh, a coven of inbred witches or magically would be very opposed inbred that yeah th that would they, they'd be at the top of a traveler's hit list they'd yeah, be like exactly. <laughs> it is it really kind of makes sense in retrospect of like why did this random coven from portland come all the way to mystic falls to fight the travelers oh because you're exactly number one on their shit list meanwhile in the in the prison world kai has found this copy of the hunting knife that uh joe hid inside this tree stump with her magic in it and this is the first time we see that an inanimate object with magical properties is duplicated perfectly in this prison world and that's where my mind was just like <laughs> so the moonstone that was holding the hybrid curse for klaus uh -huh. Uh -huh. and you know the white oak ash daggers the actual white oak stake itself Everything that existed by the time this 1994, 1994 snapshot was taken, it's all here? <laughs> you think about the magic it took to craft those items. Assumedly, thousands of items across the world, because I refuse to believe that the only witches in this world are in, like, Europe and America. You think of everything that exists in the world magically, and the fact that they just did a spell and it duplicated all of that and they all still work not just in the prison world but in the real world yeah and i'm thinking of cammy's dark objects from the original <laughs> all the dark objects exist in the prison world it's just it's mind-blowing that's, that's an originals reference for the uninitiated there are a number of dark <laughs> objects that are just duplicated in the prison world magical creepy shadowy objects that do awful things i even think of the gilbert device and how it was specifically designed to only work once and then basically be useless after that they could have come back and gotten another one keep copying them. <laughs> like... get rid of vampires whenever you want you want gilbert rings we've got gilbert rings out the wazoo Emily made two, we've got a thousand. Yes, the Gilbert rings! Those must also exist! It's, it's... Not a single human in our group would ever need to worry. We've got a Gilbert ring. You get turned back from a vampire to a human, we've got a free Gilbert ring for you, buddy. Unless you're a doppelganger, in which case they don't work for you. Sorry. <laughs> doppelganger, you get, you get no other superpower. But <laughs> you, <are? laughs> you can still be compelled, but the Gilbert rings don't work for you. 
That sucks. There's no upsides <laughs> to being a doppelganger. <laughs> and speaking of weird compulsion rules, one of the reasons that we learn that Joe comes from this witch family is because Alaric tries to compel her at a certain point and it doesn't take. Yes. So with her magic having been removed from her body... That means Why? biologically, then, she is a witch. So it's not to do with the magic, it's to do with your biology as a witch. She is a witch, but she physically took the magic out of her body. Like, it wasn't just that she wasn't practicing, it was that she didn't have magic powers anymore. Pull the batteries out of the doll, yeah. So it's like, okay, but you you still can't be compelled? That's wild, because werewolves who haven't triggered their curse can be compelled, so... What's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. Witches are just cool like that. I don't know. They're just badasses and they're iconic. <laughs> it's fine. It's It serves the purposes of the plot. Kai manages to get her magic out of this hunting knife. He stabs Bonnie with it. And <sighs> after promising that if she helped him, he would, you know, let her go. He leaves her there. It's awful and it it pisses me off because this doesn't matter for this episode this is damon and bunny stuff and i'll repeat it when relevant but i just want to say that like damon's in there for four months the whole four months he's with bonnie he's never at any point after the incident with the bourbon and the vervain injured or harried by kai because he's a vampire and what can kai do to him and then he goes home and then bonnie's there for like the rest of i think the better part of a year by herself suffering irreparably and i just think that there is an equivalence of their experience in the prison world that i have now sort of undone in my brain and actually damon didn't suffer at all in the prison world really when you think about it the most that that was bad that happened to him is that he was away from elena for like a summer which is like (laughs) i don't know do i care not really if I'm being honest. Bonnie goes through it. I, I'm not sure how she doesn't bleed out all those times that she gets attacked by... She's, she's got some strong platelets, that girl. She's, she she's clearly not inbred. She times in the gut. <laughs> he shoots her the first time. I think he stabs her with a regular knife at some point. And then he stabs her with the hunting knife in Portland. It's so crazy. He, he has her blood at that point on the knife. He's got Joe's magic. Uh, he siphons it out and manages to spell himself out of the prison world because the the Bennett bloodline of it all means that they need a Bennett which is blood, not a Bennett which to actually cast the spell. So he doesn't really need Bonnie and he leaves her behind. He goes into the real world and decides to start causing mayhem there. He seems to have made it his life's mission to not just kill his family, but to complete this merger ritual so that he can become the leader of the Gemini Coven, which I I guess he sees as his birthright. Yeah, it's like the thing you were denied. Yeah, that was like taken from him. I understand that aspect of it, but I in my mind was also under the impression that that would then mean, and I don't, this is not something that I like remember from the last like the first time i watched it but in my mind this time when i watched it i was like oh then he would become like a full witch if he merged with joe he would then just become like because they would combine so it would be fine but i don't think that's the case that happened like i think he's still a siphon at the end of the day right i just in my mind thought maybe that was the motivation but of course that's too rational um there's no there's no rational pragmatic reason for this merge it's just like yeah this is what i was owed so I'm going to get it. And I'm going to be the all-powerful leader of the Gemini Coven. And he, he almost gets there. He, he wants to kill Luke and Liv because they're just sort of in the way. And he thinks that if he <laughs> kills them, the Coven will have no choice but to let him do the merger with Joe. Because yeah. they, would rather risk, they would rather risk Joe losing to him than just give up and no longer have this all-powerful leader. 
I don't know why it's so important that they have this leader. I'm like, it's so. Uh... <laughs> can we wait a decade, guys? Like, I don't know. It feels like we're all doing fine. When they go to speak to Papa Parker, which I don't know who called, it's probably Damon, but somebody called him Papa Parker and it's stuck in my head for years. At this point, Kai has had no chance to break out. He's still very much in the prison world. But because Damon has gone in and then gone out, and he knows, Papa Parker now knows that Kai has Bonnie and has the Ascendant, it's only a matter of time before he gets out. And his immediate response is to try and kill Joe so that there's no one for Kai oh, yeah. to merge with when he gets out. So I don't think, I think the priorities by the coven leader, by the Gemini coven leader are a little all over the place. He tries to kill Joe, doesn't succeed. When that doesn't work, he comes to Mystic Falls to push Liv and Luke to merge before Kai can get out. Because once they're merged, then Kai's out of luck. So it's that's kind of the stuff that we're working with. And boy, do they bounce around these twins. Because first, <laughs> Luke and Liv are like, we have to do this merger. It's our duty. And then it's like, well, Kai is out. So now we really have to do it. Or he might be Joe, who hasn't been practicing magic for 18 years. Yeah. Once, once Joe reabsorbs her magic, she's able to... She, she gets it from the real-life copy of the knife that, that Kai siphoned mm-hmm. in the prison world. And it's like the end. all these weird, all these weird copies of people's corpses from the other side and magical objects from alternate universes. It's it's a show about magic, but it's 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 strange. It's wild. It's strange even by their standards <laughs> because this is the same show where it's like nature would not allow an immortal being to exist, so the doppelgangers were created. It's like, but nature would allow you to just make copies of all these magical objects What's in alternate about universes. These prison worlds that are duplicating shit. Is she okay with that? Was she asleep? Oh no, nature doesn't exist in the prison world. It's not in her jurisdiction. There's no people. There's no animals. What does nature have to do with anything? You know, like, the spirits turned against Esther and cursed her family when she turned them into vampires. But the Gemini Coven can just do whatever they it's want. It's alright, don't worry about it. Wild. That's crazy. So Kai Kai does end up uh, in Mystic Falls. At that point, I think he's already started terrorizing the twins, who have started to flip-flop on the, oh, we should perform the ritual, but maybe we don't have to. Maybe Joe can do it and she can beat Kai, so we don't have to one of us kill the other which is something we're not looking forward to let's let this monster try and have his way we hope he loses i don't know they 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 seem to be in denial for a while they're like oh no joe can beat him and i'm like guys i think you know she can't i I don't think it's a generous read it's probably is the accurate read that they're like they're trying their best to not think about it because they want to survive and so they're like yeah sure joe can win but at the outset of it it really does feel like they're throwing joe under the bus there and it's like i don't think I understand that you guys work on a on a baseline of it's just us and no one else. Oh but you guys boy, do know they! Josette, you know her. She's your sister. She saved your lives when you were four years old from the psychopath you now want to put her in the hands of. It felt so insane to me as I watched this plan unfold to be like, y'all are really gonna throw her under the bus like this? And listen, they were they, they were like, we haven't seen this woman in years. Oh, <laughs> They're like, you shouldn't have shirked your responsibility. You've had 18 years. It's like, yeah, 18 years as a human, you dumb bitch. What are you doing? There, I'm sure there's a deleted scene where Luke was like, you know what? You don't know this, but <laughs> last year I had a bestie named Catherine Pierce. And she taught me... 
she told me the philosophy of it's either you or it's you me. You do whatever you need to survive. <laughs> he was like, Catherine pierced, God rest her soul. <laughs> the one useful thing that Kai does is he gets rid of that pesky anti-magic bubble, which was a very interesting feature, but was definitely something that I was like, how on earth are you ever going to undo this? And I must say that the way they undid it made sense within the logic of the show. It's nice because often they have to break their own rules and ignore their own rules to get the plot going along. But it, it made sense. Damon mentioned that there's this anti-magic bubble. Kai is at that point tied up on the other side of it. Alaric has done the actual tying up since Damon can't cross it. And then Kai starts to think to himself, he's like, he's asking about like the 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 geometric dimensions of this anti-magic <laughs> arena area. And he's like, oh, it's like, is it is it like a dome? Is it a bubble? Like if you were flying a plane over it, like <laughs> would you die? <laughs> would 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 it undo your vampirism and kill you? And he sticks his hands into the earth and starts to siphon all of the magic away from this town, all of all of the traveler magic that is negating any other sort of magic. Yeah. And he he becomes supercharged. He's able to melt away the metal chains that have bound his hands together. It's this it's this cool visual. And as he says, it 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 leaves his battery basically overflowing with magical charge for at least a few episodes. I I was hoping it would last a bit longer, but in like two days, it's gone. Yeah, I mean the rate that he was losing magic when he sucked it out of other witches seemed pretty quick, all things considered. So I'm not like insanely put out by the fact that it lasted like two or three days what one of the things that is mentioned after kai siphons off the magic bubble is later on he's been drugged and tied up and when he comes to he tries to do magic and it doesn't work and damon says haha it looks like all your magic drained away while you were sleeping and i was like wait so the magic he siphons can also drain away even if he isn't actively using it yeah, I believe it so. It just, like, seeps out of his pores? That's how I understood it to be even when he was in the prison world. Because he did use Bonnie's magic a little bit, but then we would cut to a later point, and then he'd need to suck it from Bonnie again. So it was like, stands to reason, it you're running on a, on a depleting meter. So you've got to use it before it's wasted. That's crazy. Yeah. Which, which really puts into perspective though like i mean listen i don't want to devalue kai's efforts he's very formidable and very resourceful but there are several moments in this season where i'm like that is just a man that is just a dude with nothing in him and there's no reason you shouldn't be able to snap his neck right now there are three vampires in the room it starts becoming a weird like at any point where he's on screen and he doesn't have magic there's someone who needs kai alive for some reason and that's why we can't kill him which kind of sucks but you know it's okay. that is the thing that happens uh, it happens a lot in the tvd universe where everyone will be geared up to kill a certain threat and then it's because this person is important to one character who really needs them alive and it's like oh we can't kill them for kai at that point in the story it was because luke and Liv were like no but if he does the merger with joe and she beats him then, then everything's fine be, yeah. he's dead we don't have to kill each other yeah <laughs> Liv had given joe an inspirational speech and joe was like i want to do this i want to make sure the twins don't have to merge and die like rick has got him in a headlock with a gun to his head it's like there's no reason you shouldn't be able to kill kai and joe goes don't kill him i need to merge with him and rick's like well i love you so i won't joe continues to try and practice uh for her upcoming merger with kai she is performing magic 
at a at a worse grade than Bonnie in season one. <laughs> it's rough. It's not looking good. It's rough. She causes an explosion by accident. She can barely levitate a book. I will say she breaks those um shackles the what the moment she gets a magic bag pretty quickly she goes fractus and then she breaks them off and i'm like that's like a pretty i don't think it's a high level spell but it's not any of the simple ones that bonnie or quote unquote Liv started out with so i was like damn okay maybe she's right back in it then it's like no no she's actually super rusty i want to know why kai was so good was he just thinking about magic more than joe was during those 18 years because he he's also rough around the edges but his spells are a lot more effective than hers. Like, he, he tries to telekinetically snap Elena's neck at one point when he's kidnapped her, and it takes three tries to get it right because missing. his aim is off. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I don't... Actually, I hate that whole sequence because I don't get why. I don't... Actually, there, it doesn't need to be a reason, right? Because it's Kai. It's not like he had it out for Elena. Elena was just a convenient option, but it just felt so weird. Oh, that... he had he had absolutely nothing against <laughs> it Elena. It felt so weird. It was like... <laughs> This is the season where Elena truly is not the main character, and he goes right after Elena. And it's like, you haven't even met her. You could have picked anyone. He was like, you are my Barbie doll that I'm going <laughs> to practice my magic on because I, I need someone, preferably someone who heals. Someone who come because back. Because it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, and I want to make sure I can, I can beat my twin in the merger ceremony. But yeah, Luke at some point says that Kai is a bajillion times stronger than Joe. There's this implication that Kai is like really, really strong, which is, I'm not sure where it come fr comes from, but it is set up. I guess because of his nature as a siphon, I always assume that like he was guaranteed to win a merge because he would be siphoning you yeah. while you're doing the merge. And so he would always be the stronger one by the end of it. So that was my whole understanding of it. But that doesn't explain why he's better at actual magic. Yeah, he's more skillful than her, even though... For most of the last 18 years, he's had no way of practicing because yeah, he, didn't he didn't have, have magic, magic in the prison world. And assumedly also growing up as a child, he had less practice than Joe did because I don't think people were just letting him suck magic from his siblings. I sure hope not. Hey, no, listen, I, I, I fully believe Kai was just doing that anyway and getting in trouble oh. for it. Like, just grabbing his brothers and sisters' arms at random points and oh, draining the no. magic out of them so he could light a candle for fun. Oh, God. Especially because it seems so painful and all the siblings were so young. Yeah, it's giving, like, uh, Rogue's death touch from the X-Men comics. It like, it's, it's uncomfortable to be drained. Speaking of siblings and their comparative strength, it's around this time where all of a sudden the plot decides to say, hey, you know Luke is stronger than Liv? No! And in all likelihood, if they do this merger, Luke is going to win and Liv is going to be the twin that dies between the two of I them. I feel like they set it up well. I feel like they set that one up well because there are... She only mentions one, but there are three instances in which Luke shows that he is stronger than Liv. And it's, it is that first moment she talks about when he shuts down her spell to try and bring back Bonnie's friends from the other side at the end of season five. Before that even is when they are holding down Stefan and Elena with their magic just as the travelers are about to start their big anti-magic spell and it switches off. Liv is struggling to hold Elena down 
and Luke is holding Stefan down with ease. So that was the first time where I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wasn't even thinking about the thing that was coming up later. I was like, wow, it's strange that Luke seems more powerful. We rarely see Luke, so like, I can't really compare it to other instances. <laughs> <laughs> we always see Liv, and she seems pretty powerful, but Luke seems more juiced up. Then we get the scene where he shuts down a spell. Then he shuts down another spell of hers. Which one was it that he does later in season six? Liv is helping Damon get into the Mystic Falls High School because Kai has snatched Elena to like practice his magic on her before the merge and she's gonna help him get in but Luke shows up because he's here to protect his sister he's like you don't need to help this asshole Damon and he makes her go invisible against her will cloaks her Gemini style and they dip so yeah Luke is significantly maybe not significantly but is definitely more powerful than Liv is that's fair I will concede. <laughs> I will. I will. I will give credit where credit is due. TVD is at certain points a well-planned, well-written show. That's why it was on air it's for eight rare, years. It's rare, but we'll call it out <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> I mean, they're not terrible. It's just mainly no, not at all. It's just mainly how they deal with issues of redemption and mm. magical rules and mm -hmm. representation of people of color. And uh -huh. <laughs> healthy romantic relationships. Oof, oof. <laughs> so many to get into. Oh, and we will get into one of them today. But mm. <laughs> let's first finish. Uh, Wait, let's, what? Let's finish summarizing Kai. No, we will. We'll get there. We're, we're, we're going to get there. Okay. <laughs> So, after Kai has siphoned the... It's actually not a bubble, because bubbles are hollow. I feel like blanket might be more of an accurate term. It's like a... I agree. Anti-witch magic blanket that's over Mystic Falls. He siphons it, and it somehow seeps out of his body later on. He's able to use it for like most of the next episode when he kidnaps Elena, and he's trying to practice magic on her. He melts her daylight ring, Oof. which in my mind, I was like, this is like the third nail in the coffin of Stelena, because Stefan gave her that daylight <laughs> ring on the day that oh, she finished no. Transition. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I was more concerned of like, how are we going to get one now? It's actually Joe that makes Elena her new daylight ring. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They mention it when, when she's training. They're like, oh, look, you made a daylight ring that works. I didn't burst into flames. Mm, so you, you a have sign. a shot at beating Kai. <laughs> Yeah, you're doing okay. That's kind of sweet, actually. Auntie Jo, because she's, she's marrying her dad. <laughs> Auntie Jo! <laughs> yeah, no, listen, hey, when you factor in the Gemini coven characters, you get this, like, mutated family tree of Vampire Diaries characters. Oh, it's spreading. It's spreading and it won't stop. Kai destroys Elena's daylight ring. He was trying to turn her blood into acid. I don't know... If he was accomplishing that because she did seem to be in pain but also her ring was melting and he wasn't he wasn't aiming for that at all and then it's gone and i was like well <laughs> bye stelena is that a common spell the blood to, i know transmutation is a big thing they do water to fire very often blood to acid is very it's very out of pocket spell to do <laughs> i i don't think i've ever heard a character say that they were doing that in tvd yeah, but you know, it's Kai. He's innovative. Yeah, he was he was he was making it up on the fly a little bit. He's, <laughs> he, maybe he's just a natural. Like he could have been a prodigy if his body made its mm. own magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a shame. Lost potential. Lost potential. 
I would say the next significant thing that Kai does once they've managed to save Elena from him, and oh my gosh, Elena, Elena always getting kidnapped. <laughs> when we when we get to the Elena episode, I will fully delve into how irritating it was that once she became a vampire with super speed, super strength, and healing, she was still She's often the damsel. Still the damsel. <laughs> After he's been stopped and sedated Tyler, who's just a, a an irritating wrench in the works this season <laughs> because just... of his. His love for love. Hey, look, the writers had to give him it's something to do. It's not even love. Let's not call it something it's not. They knew each other two weeks. It was too much. Hey, it's meant to be love, okay? I... <laughs> these okay. are these are still characters who are like 20. <laughs> true, true. Shame, listen, I like Liv and Tyler, but Tyler was doing too much this season. I was actually really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I missed when you were a hybrid and you were sired to Klaus because you were less irritating at that point. Yep. Now you're sired to live and I can't stand you. <laughs> it's like Liv doesn't even want you to be doing these things. Nobody has asked you to do anything. So he tries to wake Kai up and Damon stops him. But then during his conversation with Tyler, he realizes, hey, this guy is a magic siphon. And at that point, Liz Forbes, who is stricken with stage four cancer has been yeah. given vampire blood by caroline and what i was what i had put a pin in earlier was that if meredith fell had been around someone who's been <laughs> using vampire blood oh, maybe her no. expertise could have come in handy this season because as soon as liz gets sick caroline is like okay i'm just gonna heal my mom with vampire blood vampire blood heals all wounds and <laughs> stefan is like unreasonable stefan is like i've been alive for over a century and a half and i've never heard vampires discussing how our blood just heals cancer i don't think that that's a thing and caroline's very much like but you don't know it's not a thing you know what i had no counter argument to that until you reminded me that damon didn't know that werewolves were real until the second seasons of the show so clearly the salvatore brothers can't be trusted on what supernatural things are and aren't possible okay <laughs> maybe that's there was fair a that's fair werewolves werewolves though are supposed to be very rare stefan has been a combat medic and he knows that lexi used to flit around hospitals healing people and <laughs> <laughs> and like i said they knew dr fell dr fell never said hey guys i sometimes use vampire blood to cure and cancer, cancer something that Something that the mundane human world is still trying very hard to come up with a cure for. Yeah. So I was just like, Caroline, I understand that this is a Hail Mary for you She's and a part of you is in denial. Yeah. But I think you should listen when people tell you it seems too easy. So unfortunately, vampire blood and the... I feel like the mechanics of this track well enough that vampire blood, because of its regenerative properties just makes the cancer worse because cancer is essentially made out of your own your cells. Own cells so vampire blood just caused those cells to supercharge and regenerate and it makes liz even sicker damon says hey vampire blood is magical and that's what's making liz sicker now that we've given her some let's get kai the siphon to siphon magic out of her and turn off the the magic of the vampire blood and amazingly kai agrees i yeah. <laughs> At that point, yeah, I was again, like, it's logical to him. It's an exchange. I do this for you. You let me out. I mean, he could have just double crossed them. He's not beyond double crossing because, I mean, look what he did to Bonnie. True. He did right after that, to be clear. <laughs> he did <laughs> after that. But, like, he doesn't have any magic to suck out. So he's incentivized to actually take out this vampire blood from Liz Forbes. And 
right after he sucks it out, Liz starts to have a heart attack. And Caroline says, do something. And he says, ooh. It's actually Elena. Elena's oh. there. Caroline. Is Elena? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot. Elena was busy insinuating herself into the situation. And I was like, whose mother is this, actually? Kai dips as Liz Forbes goes into cardiac arrest. And he's like, oh, I guess she's dying of natural causes now. Oh, well. <laughs> and he leaves. Which tracks, I don't expect him to care or even try to help. Like, why would he? He his end of the deal. It ends there. Bye. I got my magic. I don't even think he takes any pleasure in her death. He's like, it's just one of those things. People die. I've I've got stuff to do. (laughs) What does he care? Got a merge to get to. He goes to find Joe and he's like, you know what? I feel like I'm ready, sis. So we're going to do this merger now. (laughs) I don't care if you're ready. In fact, I hope you're not because I want to (laughs) win. I want to be as juiced up as possible. I like that you say merger like it's a business acquisition. (laughs) Because it is. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) It is. It is. He's like, I'm inheriting the family company. company. (laughs) (laughs) This is succession, actually. Succession, the Gemini edition. (laughs) Kai was like, my name is Malachi Parker. My name is also on that building. And I want my Mm. shares and yours. (laughs) You aren't going to cut me out. Danny Rand coming back from Kunlun saying, yeah, my name is Danny Rand. I actually run this business. <laughs> and then Luke decides that, hey, you know what? It's time for another patented TVD loophole. I will say he vocally says Hail Mary at this. And it is because the dad is now here and he's trying to force Liv and Luke to merge. The dad is like, I have no faith in your sister, Joe. She is going to lose. Yala Delulu, if you think there's a chance she could win. <laughs> And my Solulu is you're going to do it. (laughs) You are going to do this merge because we cannot risk Kai becoming our leader and being the strongest of all of us. And our lives being dependent on his continued existence. And him having access to all our magical secrets. It's just a lose, lose, lose. It's like a little Game of Thrones plot woven into the season. <laughs> I do really like it. This is like the highlight of season six for me. The Gemini Iron Throne. There we go. Coining that <laughs> nice. phrase. <laughs> you worked it in there. It was rough, but it, it worked. Seamless transition. <laughs> Luke decides, hey, you know how you were 22 when you were frozen in time and therefore you're still 22 now and you are a twin from our family with the same parents as me who's a twin from our family and I'm 22 now. I guess that basically makes us twins so we can do the merger. He said three right turns are a left, baby. Let's make this work. We arrive at the same spot. And then Kai is like, eh, I don't know. Nah, I don't think so. I'm not going to do this. This is stupid. And Luke mm. overpowers Kai and is like, no, he summons him back with a telekinetic pull and is like, you're going to do this spell. And he even taunts him and points out that he was so ready to do the merger, the merge with Joe. And he asks, what's the matter? Afraid to go up against someone who might actually beat you? And I was like, okay, okay. Hardest thing he's ever done. Hardest thing Luke Parker's ever done. When he brings him back with magic right in front of him and says, what's wrong? Afraid to go up against someone you might actually lose against? I was like, damn, my short king. Let's go. You know we love short kings here. Kai, unfortunately, during the merge, does manage to beat Luke. It's a shame. And it sucks too because there's a second where you think he might have won. He's it, Luke is in Joe's arms because she's just woken up after being knocked out. And Damon shows up. Damon, who she rightfully says is responsible for what's just happened. And she explains that it's up to them now. Whoever wins will wake up and whoever loses will not. And Luke's eyes open for a little bit and he takes a breath. And for a second you think... 
holy shit, did he do it? And then they cut to Papa Parker and Liv and Tyler. And he's like, we have to get out of here. Luke is gone. And it's like, wait, what? And then we cut back briefly to Joe and Luke. And he's like, ah. and then he's dead. It was so sad. And because you can see how much Joe really cares about her little brother and oh. sister. As opposed to when they share screen time with her, where it's like, yeah, we're family, but we don't really know you. <laughs> you kind of left when we were four. She left when they were four. Yeah, it's fair. Shame, but Liv is devastated about the Luke thing. It's so, so sad. She's I can't dev- she, calls, she calls him her best friend. And she's like, I just oh. lost my best friend. Oh, it reminded me of Avengers Age of Ultron when Pietro dies and Wanda feels it and she comes up to Ultron after the big battle. He wants her to leave the falling city because he says, if you stay here, you'll die. And then she says, I just did. Do you know what it felt like? And then she pulls out his mechanical heart. I wish Liv got that moment just to be like, do you see what you've taken from me? I got to wonder how Papa Parker sensed not just that the merge was complete, but that Luke specifically had lost. I imagine it's something like like the supreme magic from AHS exactly. Coven, where he yes. could feel it flowing into the next person. Yes, and you can magically sense who that next person is. And if it's Kai, then that means Luke is gone. Also, I assume as the existing leader just before the merge happened he would feel if one of his people died because they're all uh, interconnected like that in that weird Gemini way. In that inbred way. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point before the merge had happened, when Luke and Liv were expressing their misgivings to their father, their dad had said something which I didn't necessarily believe. And I think it's because I think at this point I had already seen the first season of the originals, and I was like, you witches have a lot of beliefs that might not necessarily be rooted in things you can prove. <laughs> okay. So in, in the originals, it's the whole Harvest Girl thing, where it was like, oh, we're going to murder oh, these yeah. teenage girls, but they will come back to life after like a few weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We believe this, even though this hasn't happened for a few centuries, but we're pretty sure. And some people were like, uh, no, I don't know if this is... We're going to align ourselves with vampires. That's how little faith we have in this magic. (laughs) It's like, you're resurrecting these old traditions. It's not even a situation where we've been doing this for ages. You're bringing this, granted, we're in a tough time, but you're resurrecting this archaic tradition and slaughtering some of our own. Why did you think we'd just go with this? (laughs) It turns out to be right, but it was still like, it's this this weird, iffy magic, but I'm like, when you bring up tradition, I'm like, Mm. my, my spider senses immediately go, because i just think to myself you already you want to believe this so how can i trust that what you're saying is true and with the gemini coven it was that oh no when you merge with your sibling the loser's soul becomes one with the winner and you get to live on in this person and i was like do you know that have you spoken to the losers This could all just be in your head. I guess arguably witches could know, right? Witches could know because otherwise wouldn't you be on the other side as the witch who died? I guess, but not everyone can commune with witches on the other side. True. Jeremy had to specifically be a medium to do it. I imagine psychic witches could do it, but that's what Papa Parker tells them. He says, oh no, like even the one, even whichever of you dies, you'll you'll merge together, you'll live on in this person. I don't know if that's an existence I would want. (laughs) 
as we see, after their weird forced merge, Kai starts to develop empathy, much to his horror. (laughs) It's so entertaining to watch him be like, oh my gosh, I have feelings now and they're horrible, but they won't go away. I think I absorbed some of Luke's humanity when I took him in. It truly, the, the comedy of errors of like, you think it can't get funnier than like this character who is so bracingly direct about awful things and doesn't seem to care to then be confronted by like oh no now i feel bad about things and i hate it how do i get rid of this (laughs) he even says i was i was ready to take on the traits of uh luke he's like i didn't i I didn't mind the whole gay thing and (laughs) the hair Uh, and he was like "Mm, maybe 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 not not the height height, And I was like, you leave our short king alone. <laughs> leave our short king. Justice for Luke Parker. Gay icon. <laughs> <laughs> Kai goes to Elena and Damon, who have expected him to have left by now. They're like, why are you still here? You won. Yeah. Just go kill your family or whatever it is you wanted to do. Leave, like, us, leave alone. us alone. <laughs> and he's like, no, I need your help because I've been I've been sitting quietly and contemplating my navel. And I've 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 been feeling all these feelings of guilt, you know, for like terrorizing my sister and murdering most of my siblings and destroying my family. And he's like, water started to pool in my eyes. <laughs> like, has that ever happened to you? <laughs> and Damon and Lena are like, you mean crying? And he's like, yeah, that. It's so weird. <laughs> like some kind of weird alien. <laughs> He asks them to to help him contact Joe so that he can apologize for the things he's done. And it's it's just so strange to see this man genuinely feel remorse. Like, it's not that... Well, I don't know if it's remorse. It's not that he thinks, oh, I regret what I've done. But he's now like, oh, I can see that it's hurt you. So I mm. want to say sorry because I hope that saying sorry will take away this new icky feeling I'm experiencing. You feeling bad is making me feel bad and I don't know what else to do about it. So I need to fix this. It's like, what? (laughs) Oh man, he does a lot of great face acting too with like the conflict and like the, the discomfort with all these feelings while also displaying those feelings of like empathy and like sadness. It's like, what a, what a wild performance. Chris is really good. He's good. Chris Wood, man. And since Vampire Diaries wouldn't be Vampire Diaries without everyone saying, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours once an episode, Damon and Elena say, okay, we'll help you apologize to your sister, who we're pretty sure does not ever want to see you again, if you will help us contact Bonnie in the spirit world. Which then, Kai says that now that he is the leader of a Gemini coven and is supercharged, he doesn't actually need a celestial event to access right. the prison world. And I'm yes, like, yes, yes. wait, then why did the Gemini Coven need one to put you there in the first place? Wasn't your dad the leader? That's weird. <laughs> I actually don't know. Maybe they need one. Okay, maybe they need a celestial event to create a prison world. That's fair. But jumping between worlds, they can do at will. Because all the prison worlds have the celestial event happening on a loop. But they, on on this side of the world, like, uh, live when she did it, who, who sent them there. They needed the celestial event. 
but to travel, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, Bonnie and Damon did access it through the back door from the other side, so it's clearly accessible without a celestial event. So Kai Kai agrees uh, to help them contact Bonnie, and I think by then the Ascendant is destroyed because Kai has destroyed it at an earlier stage. Yeah, he sets it on fire while it's in Elena's hands and her whole arm catches on fire or something. Yeah. It's in like a fit of rage. It's pre-merge. Now, now he agrees to, to help fix it and he has this this funny conversation with elena where he describes his he describes his new human emotions his new empathy as being elena's character development in reverse (laughs) he's like oh yeah i was a cold-blooded selfish killer and now i'm starting to feel things and be a human being that's like you except the other way around you used to be the soft pure human and now you're this ruthless vampire who thinks damon salvatore is a good boyfriend (laughs) for everyone reading elena for filth in season six it feels so random after everything there's a <laughs> there's a moment we probably will get into it but caroline loses her humanity this season and she's kidnapped sarah salvatore <laughs> elena says something to try to relate to caroline and is like i remember when i turned off my humanity and i was going through a b and c and caroline goes wow i've compelled your friend Liam to do surgery on Sarah Salvatore to convince Stefan to switch off his humanity and somehow you found a way to make it about you. <laughs> Elena, you really have a gift. See, this is why Elena bowed out of the show this season. She was like, you know what? I know I when I'm not wanted. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the prison world, it's Bonnie's birthday, which once again, I'm like, how have you been keeping track? You were knocked out for a day while Kai drove you around. There's no way you know exactly what day it is at this point. You've run through hospitals and forests. You've driven here there from was Portland, that Oregon. Long drive to Portland. And then back. There's no way she knows what day it is. It's not like you can look at newspapers. They all say May 10th, 1994. Exactly. <laughs> I would love if Bonnie got out into the real world and she was like, okay, I'm pretty sure it's like December 10th. And then people are like, dude, it's like Valentine's Day. You're so old. <laughs> it's March. Sister, I'm so sorry to tell you. <laughs> she's She's stuck in the prison world and... Uh, horribly depressed and alone at this point and decides she's going to end her own life while at the same time Kai is sort of astral projecting Jeremy there is it's a it's a very weak spell and it doesn't seem like Jeremy can fully manifest but they are trying to get a message through to Bonnie to let her know that hey in this world full of duplicates of powerful magical inanimate objects there's also Ketsia's can see as calcified blood inside Silas's headstone that you could you could find and suck the magic out of. Because apparently that's but not no a thing. Silas in the tomb. <laughs> that's so odd. His iconic mask would still be there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um also I think when he when Kai does the spell, he takes all of them and yeah. they are No, at first they can't interact with anything and Bonnie can't see them. But they're trying to find a way to, like, contact her or show her about the the calcified blood. Then Liv comes in while they're in the prison world and stabs Kai in the real world. And they get yanked back. Always someone interrupting. Always. Always. Granted, you know what? It's the moment I wanted for Liv because Kai killed her twin brother and her best friend. Um, So while that fight is ensuing... 
Jeremy throws a knife at Liv through the shoulder, which is so messed up. Because <laughs> they were like kind of friends at the end of the last season. Drags Kai through into the kitchen and says, do the damn spell again. I need to get to Barney. Because at this point, Barney's like about to shuffle off this mortal coil voluntarily. So he does the spell again, just pushing Jeremy through. And Jeremy's corporeal for like two seconds to drop the Atlas, but then loses the connection. So I think that's why he's not able to touch anything. He was for a bit, and then because Kai's bleeding out, he loses that corporeality. Kai, in that in that same scene when he's fighting Liv, before Jeremy manages to drag him back to be like, you are going to get my girlfriend out of this prison world before you die. I don't care what you do after that. He overpowers Liv, and she gives up, and she's like, go ahead, kill me. You already killed my best friend. You've taken everything from me. And then Kai is like, okay. <laughs> and he prepares to set her on fire. And then he can't do it. And I don't, in that moment, I don't think that it's some aspect of Luke that is like in his psyche. Like, I think it's him. Kai. I think it's that some part of him genuinely feels bad. His face is like contorted in pain. Kai is like, I can't now kill this little sister of mine who's clearly in a lot of pain because of something I've already done. He's fighting with himself, hitting himself on the side of the head, being like, do it, do it, why can't you do it? <laughs> She's like turning to the side, all sad and forlorn. She's like, just do it. She's giving her best soap opera stare. And he's like tearing up and he's gritting. He's like, why can't I do it? Just do it, Kai, come on. And he looks like he's about to burst into tears. It's such a good scene. It's so bizarre to see him fighting with himself and and see him experiencing something which in his mind is unnatural he's like why am i not able to just coldly murder someone like mm, this is which this is not okay this is not me my entire life he's thinking to himself i've i've murdered children <laughs> in my family home <laughs> and now i can't kill this girl who just attacked <laughs> me mind you <laughs> <laughs> who stabbed me in the abdomen <laughs> it's heart-wrenching it's also like the most emotion you see from him other than like a gleeful smile every now and then he's like wrapped with emotion it's it's wild later on he does almost bleed out but damon feeds him some blood and saves him because the villains can never die in this show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, but then also he's linked to all the Gemini's now, and you can't let all those people die. At the very least, we can't let Liv die. Cause yeah, Liv. Like I don't care. Th- about there's only life. one other Gemini. Oh no, I guess does does Joe count because she still has her magic at this point. She so does I guess have a magic. Yes, she is a Gemini. Speaking of Joe, the next episode, Joe is throwing up in the toilet at home because she's got some food poisoning. She says when Luke shows up, uh, Alaric, not Luke, sorry, uh, Kai shows up. <laughs> well, Luke shows up too. <laughs> Kai, who now has Luke in his mind, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, looking, looking haggard. He is sweaty and pale and starts coughing up blood. And he says, "Yeah, you know how we had that botched merge with someone who clearly isn't my twin. I, I don't <laughs> think it's working. It didn't take, and I think that's why you're also throwing up and sick. We need to do the proper merge, uh, today." so that i don't die and you don't die because our coven kind of relies on it yeah they 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 do the merge well yes and no he takes her magic okay he siphons the magic out of her because i guess his his logic is that in order for me to be complete as a gemini twin who is now leader of the coven i need the magic of my actual twin so he sucks it all out of her 
And whilst he's doing so, he somehow senses that, girl, you ain't got food poisoning. You got the morning sickness. You pregnant. <laughs> well, it's that weird Gemini leader of the coven thing that his dad had where you're connected to all of them. He, he could sense that Luke died. Stands to reason the leader can sense when you've got some twins on the way. Well, they don't know it's twins. So he, he, didn't, he, didn't know that, he didn't know there were twins, which I find interesting yes. that he, he didn't sense that. He could sense there was well, a life in her. I guess they weren't that developed yet because at that point, like life cycle of a fetus, you know, it was probably like two cells. So <laughs> I don't know when the Gemini coven starts measuring the life of a twin. <laughs> We're gonna start getting into the souls of unborn children. That's not a conversation I want to have. This is a magical TV show. <laughs> Who can <could> say? <laughs> While uh, Kai was feeling sick, and Alaric was like, "Can't we just let this man die?" <laughs> he mentions that so real. you know, I am, I am still the leader of a Gemini coven. So if I do die, all that Gemini magic goes away, including all the prison worlds that the Gemini coven have created. And Alaric is like, "Wait, worlds?" Like plural, as in there's yeah. more than one, and then Kai's like, "Oh, <laughs> I've said too much," <laughs> <laughs> which leads us to what makes up the second arc of the season, which is the revelation that Lily Salvatore, mother of Stefan and Damon, is alive. She was turned into a vampire in the 1850s, so before her sons, and then imprisoned in a Gemini prison world in 1903. Just as Kai says, "Prison worlds," right? Barney at that point has finally gotten the calcified blood. She has the ascendant, so she's got her magic back. She's on her way out. As she's running to the point where the eclipse is going to be directly over, she starts bounding in from one prison world to the other. She ends up in this old-timey, like, early 20th century home, and she quickly realizes it's the Salvatore house. Not the Salvatore boarding house, the Salvatore home that they lived in in 1864. And she's looking through, trying to, like, figure out what the hell's happening. There's an Aurora Borealis instead of an eclipse. She encounters a diary that has a date stamp that says 1903, and then she sees the pictures of Stefan and Damon as... Children? I think no they're as adults they're like teenagers in the pictures well they're the age they look now <laughs> it's, it's it's paul wesley and ian summerhalter in the they're picture. they're meant to be young pre-confederacy <laughs> <laughs> oh no you know what's crazy is there's a flashback scene of their mother's funeral where Stefan is like five and Damon is still in some altar. Yeah, like, it's it's strange. That big. <laughs> I think they specifically mentioned that Stefan is like ten. It can't be ten. And I think, I think Damon is canonically eight years older than him. So I was like, is Ian meant to be 18 at this point? <laughs> Is it eight years between them? It's around the Lily Salvatore of it all, but I think they established that Damon is either seven or eight years older than Stefan, which is a bigger so age gap than I was expecting. 25. He's either 25 when or 24. he's hanging around Elena like a creeper, and everyone is just cool with it. That's a 25-year-old man they're letting move around these teenagers. That's wild. Uh, uh, the, the, the early tens. <laughs> so... Barney bouncing back and forth while Joe and Kai are trying to fix this thing with the quote merge that they're doing. She encounters Lily Salvatore. She's like, who are you? And Barney's like, who are you? And then Barney gets zooped back into her prison world with the eclipse. She 
finally gets out with the spell. When she and Damon reunite, she shows him a recording because she ran into this person she doesn't know and she didn't know her camcorder was still on and she caught a clip of her. And when she shows it to Damon, he's like, oh my God, that's my mother. So like you said, Stefan has his humanity off at this point because Caroline, she forces him to turn off his humanity. Damon goes, well, Stefan is Caroline's humanity trigger. So there's no hope of saving her until we get Stefan back. Bonnie's the one who's like, hey, your mom's in a prison world. And Damon's like, you've got to be joking. And she's like, listen, if there's going to be an emotional trigger, Stefan's last memory of his mother is an angel coming in the night to tell him that everything was going to be okay, like after her funeral. Like if that's not an emotional trigger, I don't know what is. And that's why they then go to that prison world to go rescue Lily Salvatore. So is it, does Kai send them there? I've actually forgotten now. Yeah, they, so, oh, oh, this is what happens. I, okay, okay. Oh, yes, it's the, it's the, so, so this is, is this is the part where Kai with his, his small <laughs> amount of empathy, the, the, the little <laughs> sapling of empathy that's growing within him, because I don't want to act like it's this major change and suddenly It's he not has... a 180. He's still it's very much not. Kai. It's just, he feels sorry He's very for much things. Kai. He, and also, like, the whole, the whole trying to apologize thing, it's very framed around I feel guilt for the first time in my life and I want it to go away. Maybe if I say sorry, even if I don't mean it, Rather maybe if I just say sorry, it'll, it'll go away. Yes. So... He tells Damon, if I'm going to help you guys, because I'm the leader of a Gemini coven, he, he likes to keep reminding us that, uh, if I'm going <laughs> to help you access this prison world so you can find your mommy, um, I want you to do something for me. I want you to tell Bonnie that I want to say sorry to her because I feel, I feel bad that, that you, you feel, feel bad, bad about you feeling bad about <laughs> Bonnie makes it very clear she has no interest in seeing Kai. She is traumatized. She's actually having She's some PTSD so symptoms at a at a rave when Damon calls her to ask for this favor. And initially he's like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. I can see I'm not even gonna ask. I can see she doesn't want. But later, out of desperation, I guess, he he tries to go no, through it, with it anyway. I will not. I won't do the thing of like I'm gonna find a reason. I don't excuse Damon for that. It's it's. it's you don't it's excuse Damon for hands. anything though. So I no, mean, but this listen, I don't expect this you to. <laughs> there will be other instances where I will relent when we have to do a Damon episode. This one feels especially bad because it's right after the prison world that they were in together for four months, right? So you would think that he has Barney's best interests at heart, especially because narratively now we want to push the idea that Damon and Barney are inseparable besties. But like now remembering that Barney spent so much longer in that world than Damon did. And Damon now comes back and springs Kai on her after she explicitly told him she never wants to see that man again. After she sacrificed herself to save him and after he hurt her in so many ways, Kai hurt her in so many ways, it makes it worse that it's not like the typical Damon Callus move, right? Where he just did it because he didn't care. He knew what Bonnie wanted. He earlier that day made the conscious decision to respect that and then decided, actually, I don't care enough to because my needs are more important. 
Well, I, I mean, I it was it was I for Stefan and Caroline. It was for Stefan and Caroline. You could have at least broached it to show up with Kai unexpected. At least explain the situation to Bonnie first before you drop the man right in front of her. Insane. You're right. He that that was, showing up with Kai was terrible, and Bonnie's like having flashbacks of all the horrible things he did to <sighs> her while he's giving this weird apology, which from his end. I don't want to say it seems sincere, but I think it seems as honest as he's able to make it. As he he's like, be. <laughs> he's like, let me say these words so that I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> and yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie makes it pretty clear that she, she, she doesn't care. She doesn't want to hear it. She hates this man. And I think at that point, Kai is pretty much solidified as Bonnie's arch nemesis in this series. Like he is, he's the he Catherine the to her, David and Stephen. Somehow, which was a high bar to pass. The man who yeah. killed her father, and the man who killed her, her father for most of season four. Because she she got back at Silas when she she offered him she her did hand, send him the hell. and then she and then she took it back, and she was like bygones, and he gets sucked <laughs> into hell. Icon. Later on, Damon goes to speak to Bonnie on his own and tries to apologize and explain. I don't know why he didn't explain before showing up with Kai, like you said, but tries to apologize and explain. And Bonnie's not having it. She uses magic to like inflict some of the wounds on him that Kai had inflicted on her. The the arrow through the stomach, the knife to the gut, being strangled. Um, it's a it's a really really heartbreaking scene. And like props to Cat Graham for her acting because you can you can truly feel the the heartache and the horror that kai put her through and i want everyone listening to this to remember everything (laughs) that i have said everything that i have said up until this point because we will revisit this you have been saying (laughs) for so long that there was something you wanted to say for the episode we are we are we are gonna get there i we're we're gonna get there we're just we're gonna power through and then we're gonna have a nice discussion about how incredibly weird this fandom can be In in broad strokes, eventually Bonnie softens up a little more because I guess n- not not so much to forgive Damon, but because she understands that this this will have a domino effect of eventually helping Stefan and Caroline, who she does care about. We've got to be pragmatic about it, yeah. So she agrees to work with Kai and speak with Kai and go to this 1903 prison world and release Lily Salvatore. But while she is there, they split up. She goes off with Kai on what turns out to be a wild goose chase. <laughs> She's just stalling so she can double cross him while Stefan and Elena go to get Lily. Damon and Elena, you mean? Sorry, Damon and Elena, yes. Lily's having her own issues and doesn't want to just leave with Damon and Elena because she's not alone in this prison world. Unlike what we were initially led to believe, this world was not created specifically and exclusively for her. She is here with other people. Other desiccated people (laughs) traveling companions who are dried up and veiny and gray and are clearly vampiric in nature and bonnie betrays kai and leaves him in the prison world she attacks him stabs him and deuces out with damon and elena and Lily she Salvatore. was gonna kill him if he didn't invisibly <laughs> out of there. He dipped out. She was gonna. He used the signature him. move to run away, and she was like, "It's fine. He's not getting out without me." 
<laughs> At that point, we believe that Lily Salvatore had been imprisoned in this Gemini snapshot of 1903 because she was a ripper who had seemingly killed even more people than Stefan in yeah. in less less of the time. Oh, I guess I guess she'd had almost 50 years. Stefan was like on again, off yeah, again. Yeah, free reign. Yeah, she was she was a ripper for like the entire time. I think is it is a Joe who was the one who tells us that actually Lily had been traveling with a group of Gemini witches who, like Kai, were siphoners, or siphons, as we say. And it was at that point that I was like, oh, okay, so Kai is not necessarily this once-in-a-lifetime anomaly. There have been other siphoners from this coven. So y'all have been because in they inbreed and you've so seen much. what it's done, but then you yeah. treat these people like it's their fault. <laughs> yeah, you create the problem and then you make them the villain for it when you could just stop your weird inbreeding tradition. I don't know. Seems like you are asking for trouble. Joe explains that Lily had turned these siphoners into vampires. And when Elena points out that, no, remember how in season three we learned that that's not possible, Joe? Like, you can't be a vampire and a witch. It's not possible, remember? I'm gonna tell you a witch that you don't know what you're talking about. Joe then explains that siphoners aren't proper witches because their bodies are essentially, you know, they're naturally these empty batteries that have to suck in magic to be able to function. So technically, they're not tied to nature the way witches are, and they are capable of becoming vampires and retaining their magical ability to suck out mystic energy from other things, which means they become vampires who can cast spells. Not only that, but as we've said in the Vampire uh, Gilbert Journal episode, the magic of their vampirism, which is an eternal state, forevermore fuels their siphoning abilities so now they have an endless supply of magic and they are labeled the heretics they would call them heretics it's like <laughs> it what exactly what cardinal law did they violate exactly by existing all right i i think i see who the problem is here Gemini coven we don't see kai for a while after that when bonnie had left him in the prison world the stinger that we see is him wandering into the room where Lily Salvatore's desiccated friends were and one of them grabbing him and presumably feeding on him. The next time we see him, it seems like the heretics have fared well enough that they're up and about and he's made a plan to get them out of there. I guess I guess they became friends. I feel like they, they were rational enough with Lily that like if they were willing to sacrifice their rations to Lily so that she could be vibrant and moving around because she's a ripper and she consumes so much more they can easily be restrained enough to only take a little bit at a time from kai so that they can slowly revive themselves and just be chill about it they weren't gonna like tear him to pieces you know so uh, if, only, make a plan if only if only they'd out. been less reasonable <laughs> <laughs> knowing who they become in season seven even i i can't imagine they had decided at this point because they're all desiccated and it's unclear what they look like although some of their aesthetics do maintain through to season seven when we meet them very few of those characters are, are what i would call restrained <laughs> i could i honest. could only yeah yeah that's that that's what i could call two of the six of them restraint. But even though Kai is gone for a while while he's chilling with the heretics in this 1903 prison world, his presence is still felt because Lily becomes obsessed with getting her new family out 
And Damon lies and humors her for a bit, but everyone else, Bonnie, the remaining Gemini witches, they're all like, we need to leave that prison world locked Do forever. Kai must never be allowed to escape. Joe specifically says, listen, it's Kai who's the problem, but now imagine six Kais who have the bloodlust of vampires. Do you see what the issue is here? Like, we cannot crack this box open. But, you know, Kai, I guess, had also considered that, ooh, I didn't know this was how the mechanics of vampirism and my siphoner nature work. (laughs) Because when he eventually gets out, at that point, Joe and Alaric are getting hitched. Now Joe knows that she's having twins. Who is it who tells us? Some, someone was vampiring here that she has twins. Oh yes, Lily Salvatore is about to attack Joe at a certain point because she's quite upset that nobody wants to get her creepy surrogate family out of this prison world. <laughs> I don't listen. I take issue with everyone calling her family creepy as if they all haven't been desiccated before. It seems unnecessarily cruel. Clearly, she's been through a lot and these people got her through it and they're people with agency and lives. It's so weird. I think Stefan and Damon are just bitter that their mommy loves her surrogate kids more than she loves them. I understand, but damn, guys, it's been 150 years. Bonnie, meanwhile, just doesn't care. Bonnie is like, I am not <laughs> letting that man out. I don't care that you're a ripper. I don't I don't even care that you're Stefan and Damon's mom. That's just <laughs> incidental at this point. I am not letting Kai out of there. But when she when she goes to attack Joe, she's about to bite her after injuring Bonnie and Joe uh, begs her to stop and screams out that she's pregnant which I've noticed pregnant characters often do in TV like when someone's about to hurt them they're like I'm pregnant and I'm like it's interesting to me that sometimes you think violent reprehensible people will stop because you have an unborn child in you I mean some of them would but a lot of them would be like I don't care like I don't think I would have cared (laughs) I don't think I I think I was especially incentivized after learning that they were twins to make sure that those babies were out (laughs) <laughs> and indeed, Lily, I guess, hears two distinct heartbeats and realizes they're twins. And she tells Joe as she lets her go, uh, congratulations, and wishes her good luck. And she leaves. And Joe later on goes to Alaric and tells her that if I'm having twins, then that means one day these twins will become leaders of the Gemini Coven. Potentially. Not only does that put me in more danger if Kai ever gets out of this prison world, but it also means that my family will want control over these twins. Just like they controlled Luke and Liv for years. And that was why I wanted to put a pin in the Joes being left to her own devices by her family initially when she made that deal to betray Kai. Because I'm like, I don't think her father would have just let her live her life if there was a chance she would one day be the mother of future Gemini Coven twin leaders. I mean, as she says, I think he would have waited for that to happen. Because, I mean, there's every opportunity that she would, one, not have kids... To just have a regular normal child. Papa Parker himself had a bunch of, what was it, four kids before a pair of twins showed up. And also, at the time, Luke and Liv were readily available. So they did have a pair of twins to do the merge. And also, Joe's twin was in a prison. So there was no need to, like, deal with that because we were waiting for Luke and Liv's 22nd birthday. Now that the 22nd birthday has passed and Luke is dead, these twins now become tangible resource so i guess i guess there's nowhere else the bloodline would be going at that point exactly now that that one side has been terminated this is the only option you know if papa parker had just been patient he might have gotten some gemini twins through live that had a werewolf gene (laughs) because of tyler and who knows what that might have led (laughs) (laughs) oh wow a witch wolf hybrid oh actually 
No, I don't want to spoil an original storyline. We'll talk Mm. about it later. We'll talk about it later. (laughs) But yeah, Joe Joe and Alaric have their wedding, and it seems like the dust is settled. Lily is having her dramatic things with Enzo and her boys, which (laughs) which we'll 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 get to in in those people's episodes. She's she's looking for her little heretic kids and nobody besides her and Enzo cares. (laughs) Because Alaric is cursed <laughs> and can't have oh, anything. Bless his heart. He can't have Isabel. He can't have Jenna. Meredith's life improves greatly Meredith after he left. dies and she moves away. <laughs> I was rooting so hard for them. I remember rooting when I first watched it because I liked Rick and I really liked Joe and I really liked them together. Watching it this time around was heartbreaking. <laughs> Because now I'm an adult and I can appreciate, like, the magic of their relationship. Yeah. Because they're the adults in the show. <laughs> and then you get to the end. Oh, when I first saw that scene, I was shook. Because, like a fool, I'd forgotten about the signature Invisique spell, which had been shoved in our face over and over again this the season. season. So as they're, as they're doing their vows and suddenly... Joe gasps out in pain and there's all this blood by her abdomen. I was like, wait, what is happening? Is what huh? What is, what? is this happening? a witch attack? Is this and then suddenly Kyle? I was like, are you having a miscarriage through your stomach? What's going <laughs> no. on? That's what that was genuinely my first thought. I mean, I know miscarriages don't work that way, so I not at like, all. Not at all. I was distraught. There wasn't a logical thought in my head. <laughs> And then Kai suddenly like becomes visible again and he's like, Surprise, guys! <sighs> <laughs> Kai shows up, he's like, surprise, bitch, but you thought you'd seen the last of me. Guts his sister, who then dies bleeding in Alaric's arms. Alaric is just distraught. The rest of the Gemini witches, as well as all the wedding guests, Stefan, um, Elena, Caroline, watch in horror as he cast a spell that shatters basically the entire wedding venue, sending glass and debris flying everywhere. Yeah, I, we should note, it, it was specifically... To kill the twins because he is the Gemini leader and he doesn't want anyone threatening his claim. And killing Joe in the process, well, eh, you know, it is still Kai after all. He already tried to kill her once before. Yeah. He said spleen, now I go for Not the first time, not 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 when he only took out her spleen. That was he he liked her, so he he only took the spleen. Oh no. I mean, at later stages where he was like, oh no, I'll happily absorb you in this merge because I want to be all powerful and, and kill the family members I don't like. In the next episode, the Gemini Coven try to chant against Kai. They're trying to cast some spells and he's he's like, oh really? There's like like not, nothing's happening. This is very unimpressive. <laughs> and then seemingly seemingly to spite them, he stabs himself in the neck with a piece of debris. And kills himself. Yeah, seemingly to be like, we're going down in a blaze of glory. You called me an abomination all my life. I just had to prove y'all right. Stabs himself in the throat. Because he's still the leader and his death means all of their death. And at that point, I was like, no, there's no way that even he isn't this wild. He would not just kill himself after all this the just to get back at these I people. I genuinely thought that was him. He was doing it. I thought he was sealing the deal. No, I immediately began to suspect. I was like, Mm-mm, we just learned what a heretic is. <laughs> I think I know what's happened here. <laughs> and lo and behold, he comes back. Now a vampiric creature, a heretic with the ability to siphon off his own vampirism for magic. I am not sure. I don't 
remember how Kai's magic was working because I thought that after the merger, well, after the merger with Luke and then absorbing Liv's magic as well, on top of that, he now just had magic. That's what I, I also got that vibe. And also now he's got Joe. You mean Joe, not Liv. Sorry, Joe. I'm getting all these twins confused. <laughs> <laughs> They're all mixed up. I thought after getting Joe's magic, he was just level now. That was my understanding of it. And that was what they said in the show. They said that would happen if he won a merge with Joe. Oh, they did say it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Then, yeah, then that's that. Oh, so then now when he's a heretic, yeah, would it not... Would he not just be a witch now and he would just be a vampire rather than a witch? He does still do magic, so clearly not. Well, not I, I, I didn't expect him to just be a vampire. I just didn't... Because ex- he explicitly says, oh, now I'm a heretic, so my own vampirism supplies me with magic. And I'm like, but you already had magic. You could still siphon, but you still had... But he had... would lose that magic by becoming a vampire. He would lose the Joe magic. I don't think he had necessarily lost his siphon status. No, not at all. I do, it was established that the siphon part, that wouldn't be lost because that clearly wasn't lost with the heretics. But witches, when they're turned into vampires, lose their magic. So if he had magic that was now just his, that would be lost in vampirism. So then maybe the magic that he got from the merge was indeed lost. But now because of his remaining siphon abilities, he was a heretic anyway because he could still siphon off from his vampirism. So it didn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. I mean the logic of that tracks. It's fine. It's I'm not I'm not too interested in picking away too much at that because it's just the one person that this happened with and it doesn't last for very long. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> but before he goes out with a bang, he kidnaps Elena because you gotta kidnap Elena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get one last one in for good measure. For the road. He allows Nina Dobrev to leave the show in a way that I didn't hate. I was like, it's fine. Nah. It's it's okay. There are worse things that could happen. Watching the season back, you could see just like the low energy from Nina that she was like done. She was, her voice didn't sound like the usual Elena voice. She was like barely in the mix of things. I was like, honestly, it's okay, girl. I get it. You just need to bow out gracefully. Head out. Shame. I mean, six, six years on a show. It's nice to be employed, but I can also imagine having to do character work and maintain a character and develop a character and be around your ex on set and all this stuff it's, it's probably Imagine, is a bit draining and after they're in a while. peak delena right now and he's already dating someone else it's like i don't want to be in that i'd understand we've got to be professional but i have limits so he he does the infamous sleeping beauty spell on elena where he ties her life force to bonnie and says elena will stay in this comatose preserved state until bonnie dies and when Bonnie does, Elena will wake up and all will be well. By this point, Elena has taken the vampire cure because she's silly. Yeah, uh, she's so... just human now, which is a wild choice. <laughs> because she wanted to have a baby, like a good Christian woman. Uh, I mean, Elena hating vampirism, and Oren mentioned this when we were speaking about it, that Elena hated her vampirism so much in season four. And then suddenly season five, she's just fine. <laughs> she's super chill with it. She's like, I love it. It's great. It's fun. And then season six, she just hates it again. Which is why. Season 6, as soon as as soon as the cure comes into play, it's like, oh, okay, now suddenly she wants to be human again. And we must mention that this cure is a metaphysical copy that was found in, in one of these snapshot prison worlds that the Gemini Coven created. Yeah, Bonnie grabs it when she goes to get Kitsia's blood. She snatches it from Silas's tomb. Which means Silas and Rebecca and Elena and Stefan and everybody else who wanted a cure... 
All you had to do was ask the Gemini Coven to make you several copies of the universe. And you could have had as many as you it's wanted. so easy. Y'all were at loggerheads for days for no good reason. <laughs> Catherine could have gotten one to shove down Klaus's throat like she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but Kai specifically says that, because I know y'all like your loopholes and your get-out-of-jail-free cards. If you even attempt to magically tamper with this enchantment, both Elena and Bonnie will automatically die. Trends Which insane, but okay. He could have just been lying. Uh, yeah, I choose to believe he was because the way that resolves at the end is a little yeah, bit like, yeah. Eh, it's very it's, hand wavy. Because of, because of the way it ends. I'd, I'd rather choose to believe that he was like, call my bluff. <laughs> See if you're willing to kill both Elena and yourself, Bonnie. Because, I mean, ultimately... It, it was a spell done on Elena, right? So Elena could leave the show. But this wasn't a, a final attack on Bonnie. Because it was like, let's see, one, how you can live with yourself knowing you're awake while your best friend is asleep and it's because of you. And two, let's see how long Damon lasts before he decides, actually, I'd rather kill you, Bonnie, and get my girlfriend back. <laughs> Which, I mean... I'm amazed that Kai has got such a, such a good read on Damon at this point where he's like, <laughs> I have strong reason to suspect this man will will truly consider murdering you to wake Elena up. <laughs> Damon has thrown so many people under the bus to save Stefan and Elena at this point. Exactly! He was Bonnie! Oh, we spent four months in the prison world. La-di-da! So Kai is gloating over an injured Bonnie and... Uh, waiting for Damon to make his decision and Damon just walks away and Kai is so disappointed <laughs> he's like oh I thought you were gonna like agonize over it for a little bit I didn't think he would just leave <laughs> and then in a moment that I I mean I I don't like Damon but I have to give him I it's have to give him his impressive. flowers where he deserves it in a pretty cool moment Damon vamp speeds back and decapitates Kai from behind killing him because even as a even as a vampiric creature he can't survive without a head it's it's pretty good i'll even give it to damon which says a lot that's a really cool moment <laughs> <laughs> it does say a lot that you're giving it to him it's just it's a very elijah move too i think that's why i like it so much coming in from off screen and decapitating somebody with an open palm is quintessential elijah michelson and i love it so much meanwhile Liv, poor Liv, is dying along with the rest of the Gemini extras and her dad. Her dad crying out, where's my daughter? It's so tragic. Christopher Cousins is like a pretty good actor. Also, he, it's so crazy of all the witches who show up in this show. His are my favorite pronunciations. He puts his whole soul when he does magic. His Fesmatos sounds so like ancient and magical so everyone's always going like invisique and he's like invisique it's just like he puts his whole geminosi in i it. didn't want to say it and we can leave that in liv is dying because the coven is dying when i remembered this scene i thought she was dying from the injuries of kai's attack but it, it stated that it's because of kai having the murdered himself as a leader Tyler is beside her, dying from injuries. An enormous piece of glass is like through his abdomen. It's crazy. It was mentioned earlier in the episode where Tyler was being kind of annoying. He was like, sorry, it's a full moon tonight. I'm a bit douchey. Which tracks because in the first season, before his woe, of course, was triggered, he was often more douchey on nights of a full moon. So Liv is like, hey, dude, 
Yeah, I'm like, I'm basically dead anyway. But <gasps> it's the full moon, which means if you trigger your curse, and I didn't know it worked like this. I didn't, because I'd never seen someone trigger the curse on the night of a oh, full, the moon, full moon, except yeah. for Klaus breaking the hybrid curse and then becoming a creature that can turn at will. So she was like, if you kill me on the night of a full moon, you will trigger your curse, immediately turn into a werewolf, and doing so will heal your injuries. Um, and this was one of the cooler things that Kai did before he died. Tyler has to kill Liv, which is really sad. He has to, like, hold her mouth and nose closed to suffocate her. It's awful, and it's a bookend on Liv killing somebody to keep, in the same way, to keep Tyler from ter- from triggering his werewolf curse. Because he drove yes. through that corn maze we mentioned earlier. Someone's injuries are so bad that they're dying and there's nothing they can do. And Liv <laughs> suffocates him so that she's the one who's killed him and not Tyler. And now she gives her life And weirdly, weirdly, way. that was the start of their romance, because... <laughs> At that point, they were just acquaintances. And then this is the end of it. It's so messed up, but also a little it's bit so sweet. sad. Tyler starts to turn, and while he's going a bit feral, he runs into newly minted heretic Kai and bites him. And because Kai is now a vampire creature and not an original, a werewolf bite is fatal to him. But Kai, ever the thinker, the same person who thought, hey, if there's an anti-magic bubble that's really just traveler magic around Mystic Falls and I absorb magic, why couldn't I just absorb that into me? Thinks to himself, hey, a person turning into a werewolf, that's magic. Turning from a man into a wolf, which means that a werewolf's venom is also magic. Which means that the thing that kills vampires that's now running through my veins is just magic that I can siphon off. And he cures his werewolf fight. And at that point, I was like... So much stuff gets introduced in this show in later seasons that would have solved so many problems in earlier seasons. I'm like, are you telling me that a siphon is the cure for a werewolf fight? We could have saved Rose. Rose, We could have saved Damon without sacrificing Bonnie's magic. We We could could have have saved saved Damon without sacrificing Stefan's humanity and his relationships and his self. We could have saved so many members of the Mystic Falls team without having to go and beg on our knees in front of Klaus all the time. (laughs) Without having to put Caroline in a skimpy outfit and pawn her onto him. Like, there's so (laughs) many things that could have been avoided. Also, I I, the logic tracks perfectly fine. I just like to think of werewolves as the most like biological of all these supernatural creatures because they're so closely tied to nature and there's all these bloodlines and it's like I I don't know. I just, I always think of venom as like a natural thing that like when it gets sucked out because of the magic, it's like okay, I guess that technically works. But come on, I guess they're not they're not sucking out the venom. They're neutralizing the magic in the venom. Yeah, that would magically kill a magical vampire. It works, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not saying I'm making good arguments. But yeah, because there is no other side at this point, when Kai is decapitated by Damon, he goes straight to hell. And that is the last we see of him for a very long time. It's quite long. And honestly, when we do see him again, makes sense. You know, I do I care for it? Not necessarily. It was nice. He comes back in season eight and he causes a bit of trouble running around like it's, <laughs> it's the hell season. For those of you who don't know, season eight, we deal we deal with the actual devil. OK, it's, it's not devil in the Abrahamic sense. Like it's not like Satan or Lucifer. Or and it's anything not like hell that. in the Judeo-Christian sense. It's kind of like hell, but not really. <laughs> it's a psychic dimension filled with fire and suffering ruled over by a man who I 
think is meant to be Greek, ancient. I don't I know. So. His name is Arcadius, but he's played by a black actor. Listen, I don't... listen, a lot of people forget. We were talking actually the other week about, remind me who the woman is in ancient Greek mythology who was more beautiful than Aphrodite. Andromeda? Andromeda was an Ethiopian woman. People forget that like Greece is right there in that Mediterranean region where Africa is right there. And there was a lot of trade going on. So no reason why a black man couldn't be in Greece in ancient times. It's fair. I just... I always think back to Khadija saying I love when they introduce the literal devil into the show and he's this dark-skinned black man now that's the real problem that's the real <laughs> issue like damn one of the few dark-skinned black actors they have in this show and he's the devil. <laughs> but you know what that actor does a great job he played it he's well wonderful. he's charming like all the villains in the show he's conventionally attractive conventionally attracted sharp as hell in that suit he rocks a bald head. Like, he's doing great. Dimples for days. Looks good in a toga. So Kai shows up when various denizens of hell are slipping out of it. And he is in some sort of weird state where he can't feel pain. He can't taste food. But the longer that he is in the world of the living, the more that his body starts to deteriorate because he's not meant to be here. He describes himself as some sort of a psychic imprint, which I'm like, okay, whatever that means, it's fine. By this point, we were nearing the end of the show and I was so done. I was like, don't. I don't care. Just do what you I'll have be honest, to do. I don't remember any of this. Not an ounce. And I did not rewatch it for this because I was just like, <laughs> you'll tell me what happened and I'll go sure. I'm sure that did. <laughs> In broad strokes, Kai has stolen this dagger that has a name that I was like, you couldn't have named it anything else. This is a show where we have the white oak ash daggers. Right. This dagger is called the Ashen Dagger. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Retire it. You could have called it anything else. There are other materials in this world. <laughs> I get fire and ash, but like brimstone? That's an yeah, option. We're dealing with brimstone. hell. Like, come the on. sulfurous <laughs> dagger. The, the soul... The soul sworn dagger. There's so many good things you could have picked. The Hades dagger. The Chthonic dagger. The Tartaran dagger. You know, I noticed that the Vampire Diaries universe, when it comes to naming things, they don't like to go too deeply into the English language, much less other languages. It's always very simple terms. Like, it works with certain things where it's like, oh, we're the first vampires. We're the originals. And it's like, okay, yeah, it, it, it caught on. And then Silas was the first immortal, even though immortal is also a term that we use to describe vampires and hybrids and everyone else who doesn't die old age <laughs> or normal means. Then we get to the originals and it's like, oh, we're the kindred. We're this group of witches <laughs> that live in this asylum. It's like, kindred? That's the best you could come up with? Okay. I, I was just like, come on, guys. This is this is fantasy. You can come Especially up with other words. Especially when you're words. pulling so deeply from Greek mythology. It's like, lean into it. Throw some Greek yeah. shit in there. What are we doing? Lean into This show is for teenagers. We, we know words. It's not like grade <laughs> ones who are going to be like, mommy, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the Hekentakairis are. Please help me. But yeah, there's this thing called the Ashen Dagger, which is the only thing that can kill Arcadius, a.k.a. Cade the devil and once you kill him hell will supposedly be destroyed and everyone's leveraging each other for this thing as usual there's a whole lot of dramatic stuff going on but the more interesting thing kai does is at this stage the twins that joe was pregnant with that we learn in season seven the gemini coven was was chanting 
right before Kai killed himself and by extension them. Their chant was actually to magically teleport Joe's unborn children into Caroline's womb because I think she was just the nearest. She was the nearest womb, quite She was the nearest she womb was in the, the room. <laughs> she was in the bridal party. She was the wedding planner. She was standing right there when Joe died and she was just lying on the ground. And they said, oof, it's free real estate. I'm sure the, the Claraline with a K shippers were over the moon about the fact that Caroline and Klaus are the two vampiric creatures that broke the rule of not being able to procreate. Klaus is just able to sire a child with a living that werewolf. That is a tenuous connection even for the insane people that are Claroline shippers. Like, that's a bit of a stretch. I, I have no proof, but I'm sure they liked it because then she becomes the vampire who gets pregnant even though you're not supposed to be able to do that. She later ends up giving birth to the kids that are biologically Alaric and Joe's and she raises them with Alaric in this co-parenting thing we'll delve into the mechanics of that more by the time we get to season eight there's been a time jump and these twins have now aged to they're supposed to be three those are not three-year-old actresses those are like I'm seven so year olds i was like these kids are in school they have homework they might only be in grade one, but these are not three-year-olds. <laughs> the kids have grown up knowing Caroline as their mom. They call her mom. I don't know they how much do. they, how much, if anything, they know about Joe. She sees them as her kids. It's really sweet. But they've now begun to manifest magical powers because they are, you know, descendants of a Gemini coven. The last living members, it seems, since all the other ones would have died, but they were technically not born yet, so they, they weren't, weren't alive, born. so they couldn't Loop die. Holes. So it's like, loophole, it worked. But unfortunately, much like many of their inbred kin, they are <laughs> siphoners. <laughs> They're in this building called the Armory, which is a whole thing. Oh. But all you need to know is that it's full of it's full of magical whatchamacallits. And it's essentially built into the place that they are living in. And once Kai meets up with the rest of the group because he's been captured, Caroline and Alaric speak to him because he he's like, hey guys, you know these are Gemini witches. I know about Gemini witches. I'm from the coven. He explains that they're siphons like me, but because you've got them in this building that's chock full of magic, they're just constantly absorbing all of this power that they don't know what to do with. And then he absorbs some power from the building and he escapes because these people are idiots and by now they don't understand how Kai's magic works. And all the while, his grip on this plane of existence is ever more tenuous. And he decides that, oh, in order to stay out of hell, he needs to keep killing bad people. To, like, keep taking your place? I guess, yeah. It's like, I will, I will satisfy the needs of the devil by giving him bad souls so that I can have a bit more time in the prison yard. God, I need to rewatch this season because that is... Wow. All right. <laughs> but... Damon is humoring him and his needs because Damon is like, oh, Kai is here, the one person who can undo Elena's sleeping curse. Because by this point, she's been asleep for like five years. Oh, God. Yeah, because there's the time jump and then a season transition. And he's like, if you do this for me, I will help you kill Cade because we want to kill Cade because Cade is the season's villain and he's been an issue. And to the surprise of no one, Kai betrays him steals Elena's body, <laughs> delivers it to Arcadius, to and goes on his merry way. What happens to Elena after that is more relative to Cade and what Stefan and Damon are up to. But 
thankfully Kai is taken down pretty easily. I guess they had they had enough villains running By around. By Bonnie and the twins, right? Yes, Bonnie and the twins take him down. And now, now here's where this whole prison world concept is like, okay, I don't even know what you're doing anymore. Because Bonnie says she helps the twins as Gemini witches. She helps them to create a new prison world with a different descendant to trap Kai in this bar where he's tied to a stool, listening to a jukebox, play a song he hates over and over again. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what, what celestial event did you use to make this prison world? And where'd you get the ascendant? I don't know. She ordered it on eBay. I- <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. Why not? That's the far easier solution than the celestial event. I gotta love that Bonnie is the one who takes him down. Uh, oh, yeah. For the final time. I'm like, yes, arch nemesis. <laughs> mm, I got she you in the end, there. bitch. <laughs> but before she leaves him there forever, he he gets one last jab in and tells them that, oh, you think you've beaten Arcadius? Because at this point, the, the other members of the Mystic Falls gang have taken down the devil. And he's like, oh, no, no. This was all part of the plan. We, we, we wanted Arcadius taken down. And Bonnie's like, who do you mean? Who are you working with? And he's like, come on, take a guess. You know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only person worse than the devil is what Kai says and what Bonnie repeats to Damon. And I'm like, this feels unfair. I don't know if she's out of out of all your enemies, is she the only person worse than the devil? That cannot be possible. We face some pretty awful people. I'm like, even some of our forgettable villains like Marcos and Julian are worse than yeah. this woman. I don't know. And there's Klaus. I, I this feels unfair. But I love that before they say her name out loud, Kai is like the myth, the legend, the baddest bitch of all. (laughs) (laughs) Kai's never even met her. I like to think that's the Luke aspect in him. He's like, I remember her. Mm -hmm. Gay bestie. That's my bestie. (laughs) (laughs) That's my bad bitch right there. I have to stand. And it turns out that Kai and some other denizens of hell have been working with Catherine Pierce to overthrow the devil. And you know what? I gotta love that Catherine Pierce got sent to hell and she's like, hostile takeover. This is what I'm gonna (laughs) do. Sorry, I run this company now. (laughs) Not her destroying a black-owned business. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, she's part traveler, okay? That's the woman of color. She's a POC and don't you erase her. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the last we see of Kai in the Vampire Diaries. Thanks to spoilers, I do know that somehow he he makes an appearance in in Legacies. Legacies. I have no idea. Yeah. So, I earlier said that I wanted to put a pin in the psychopath versus sociopath discussion. We pinned a lot of discussions in this episode. <laughs> we did. We we had to. And you seemed to have something of a clearer understanding of of what it was, at least as compared to me, which isn't saying much. The bar is in hell. I'm not that smart. But <laughs> Listen, I can't stress enough that we are not medical professionals. And please seek those sources if you want an actual understanding but for the purposes of this discussion and for the analyses of kai we will try our best yes we are elena compelling her way through med school basically (laughs) (laughs) so i was just trying to to get a gauge on kai's personality and how how that relates to his self-diagnosis technically as a sociopath because he calls himself a sociopath we don't know if in universe anyone has like 
clinically defined him as such but i was just wondering theoretically hypothetically if he were a psychopath or if he were being called a psychopath in the literal sense rather than a sociopath what would the differences in his personality be that we might expect to see it's a tough one to answer I believe even for medical professionals because, and I think maybe this is the issue from the get-go, is that sociopath and psychopath, as has been understood, is more kind of the terms applied again in media and then in our own real lives, as has been passed around based on like stereotypes or based on like the layman's understanding of what these behaviors are. And so sociopathy and psychopathy are not I don't believe actual diagnoses. As I said earlier, antisocial personality disorder is the clinical diagnosis. And so that has a set of like diagnostic criteria. We can go into ASPD, right? And what that contains. And it's a lot of what we discussed earlier, the sort of lack of empathy for other people, a lack of regard for their safety, sometimes for the safety of themselves. They will sometimes lie and manipulate a situation for their own gain, sort of present a front to someone that they believe that person will ingratiate themselves to. And then once they've obtained what they need, sort of dip out of the situation. Those sorts of behaviors are associated with antisocial personality disorder. And so like you say, in the text, Kai describes himself as a sociopath. That is then meta-layered with the fact that the writers for this character and for this season we have no sense of what research they did or how deep they went into, like, characterizing Kai. I think that Kai exhibits a number of the ASPD traits. I don't know. I guess it's tougher to answer, is Kai certainly a sociopath and what would he be like if he were a psychopath instead? Because those aren't differentiable things in a clinical sense. I see. But if we're talking about in a stereotypical sense, from what I understand, psychopaths are supposed to be sort of more impulsive, more like arrogant and heated, and again, all stereotypical, more violent, where sociopaths are supposed to be more like calculating or cunning those are the sort of vibes that you get when you hear the words psychopathy and sociopathy as they've been used in the past so i don't know if that that answers anything at all (laughs) somewhat i guess because kai was treated as this at least in the text as a literal sociopath i was trying to see him as different from all the other truly complex villains that the show gives us you know from (laughs) I'm trying to be nice about it. I'm trying not to say anything mean. No, sure. <laughs> you know, we've got we've got <laughs> Catherine and Klaus as two like very big examples of like characters who have done horrible things, who have exhibited selfish behavior, manipulative behavior, even sometimes self-destructive behavior, but who are very much you could you could look back and be like, oh, you know, we can see why they're this way. And they definitely do have moments of humanity and even remorse when it comes to the handful of people that they care about. <laughs> <laughs> For Catherine, it's like her original Bulgarian family, mostly her mom, and then Nadia and to an extent, Stefan, like mm, yeah. in, a, in the unhealthiest of ways, she loves Stefan. And then for Klaus, it's it's on again, off again with his favorite siblings, Elijah and Rebecca. Right. The only ones he cares about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that I 
actually I think we can work with because that's less of a, a clinical question and more of a Vampire Diaries world question, right? Because the immediate thing I go to when you list those characters is that these are characters who are immensely old mm. it's it's sometimes tough to pass out because they look about as old as everyone else on screen and they are at some point romantically entangled with everyone else on screen so you forget sometimes <laughs> entangled with teenagers <laughs> <laughs> Stefan is 17 when Catherine meets him and caroline is frozen at 17 when klaus meets her every single character you listed has dated a 17 year old <laughs> <laughs> these are characters who have lived decades centuries a thousand years obviously it's not something we can test quote scientifically in real life because the oldest someone has lived is like 110 i think we're on our way though life expectancies now as long as we don't destroy the world in a climate catastrophe we're about to live really long but well <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some credence to the idea that the longer you live right and it's a common fictional trope the more desensitized you are to the behaviors that the average human might consider reprehensible the longer you live the less value you might have for human life depending on what you've been through in that life how many people you've lost or what you've had to go through you may not see people who disappear in the blink of an eye as relevant or as important to apply moral principles to how you interact with them. And so these are behaviors that these characters have developed in their long-reaching lives. Something like ASPD exhibits as early as childhood. Those behaviors exhibit from a young age and typically continue into adulthood. And I believe they kind of settle out when you get to adulthood. But it's not behavior that is entirely learned. There are environmental and social factors to it, but there is like neurological difference there to what you might call, quote, the average person or the neurotypical person. That's kind of where we're working when we're talking about being a sociopath or being a psychopath. It's something that's like neurologically different from a very young age, as opposed to an immortal vampire who's just like, tired of caring about people who die so easily <laughs> and who have access to an emotional switch exactly okay well thank you for, that was actually <laughs> a, a a fairly thorough answer i do like to think about how the the magic and the fantasy and the sci-fi of it all affects how these characters exist and how they operate uh, even on a scientific level even though the science is sometimes hard to gauge it is it's it's interesting to me like trauma can sometimes be like a like a, a a physical thing like in the brain and how would that how would that affect someone whose brain has to exist for centuries and also has a healing ability and like a physical healing ability and or is frozen in time like what is like what does that do to someone i know in, in the cases of klaus and Catherine, you know Catherine, she's we'll, we'll we'll discuss it more in a Catherine episode but she's a survivor and as awful a person as she became she only became that way because she needed to survive Horrible oh, and yeah. selfish, but it's because she was terrified and she spent most of her life being afraid that she was going to be killed by this immortal monster that was hunting her and there was nothing that she could do 
to ever stop him. She just constantly had to be on the run. And then Klaus, I mean, with Klaus, it's a bit more... Abandonment. It's, you know, subject to retroactive continuity, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's abandonment issues. And You say, you say, and, I say it works. I mean, you know... <laughs> The thing with Kai is, I mean, you can make the argument that he also had trauma. He was treated as a freak and mm. robbed of this thing that culturally should have been his birthright with how the Gemini Coven operates. And clearly alienated by at least... I mean, also, we only really hear this from Kai and we see shades of it from his father. We don't really get... Like, we never really hear Joe speaking about how was Kai actually treated. And obviously, Luke and Liv were too young, so we can't trust their memories. But we just hear Kai saying, oh, my family treated me like a freak, and, you know, they excluded me, and I wasn't allowed to do magic or, you know, like, be around my siblings because they didn't trust me to not, like, siphon off them and stuff. And I'm like, I mean, maybe in a certain way it was sort of like Rogue from the X-Men where they were like, oh, we need you to physically distance yourself from your siblings because you might hurt them without meaning to or you know just for just for the mm. sake of being safe but maybe in kai's eyes it was a bit too far and you know he was starved of affection and you know physical love from a family and that is what pushed him to becoming the person that he became that was why i was like so stuck on the on the diagnosis i was like i was like is is kai just like catherine and klaus or is he is he a victim of trauma who was already kind of going to be inclined to go down that road anyway i mean i think if we're looking at it as a real life thing it's always going to be more complex than one clear-cut answer yes but if we're looking at it within the text of the show i think that it's a combination of things i do think that whether with malicious intent and even that is like there's levels to that you can be a shitty parent without intending to be one and you can harm your child in the way that parents harm their children all the time both emotionally and physically without intending to that doesn't make you less of a shitty parent so it could have been an aspect of that it could have been kai's own perception of himself becoming worsened by these very real things that are happening to him regardless of whether other people consider it it's a safety thing for your siblings it's like oh so you're telling me i'm a danger to my siblings that's the sort of thing that can get into your head it's like oh i'm the freak who can't touch anyone that's not gonna do good things to a growing child's brain yeah and then in combination with already the behavioral patterns that possibly come with having aspd i think you've got a cocktail there again in real life it's not a responsible thing probably to say that there is a path that he was going down within the text with everything combined i think there was i can't have gone on that long spiel about the gemini coven and their parental failings earlier in the episode and not say that <laughs> they aren't at least partly responsible but again you know a lot of people who are harmed by their parents don't murder with reckless abandon so you know i don't know <laughs> you know you know but we were speaking about villainous upbringings and also like kai's perception versus reality and it made me think of princess azula from okay. avatar the last airbender sure listen we made a zuko comparison sometime recently <laughs> we might as well azula describes herself as a monster at one point almost in a, in a sort of like nonchalant joking sort of way that masks 
a true belief at least how other people see her mm-hmm. and later on we learn that she thinks that it's it's because of her mother that that her mother didn't like her and her mother saw her as a monster and I like to think that that's not necessarily true on her mother's part. I think her mother saw that her daughter was a bit troubled and a bit too happy to be the kind of child that their violent, military-inclined family would have wanted. Well, I think Zuko was definitely her favorite, unfortunately. There's no getting around that. (laughs) Maybe because she felt he needed her more. I think her only sin was that she didn't understand Azula or really how to deal with her. I don't think it was that she looked at Azula and thought, this is a lost cause. This child is a monster. Sure. I don't I don't think that's true, but I think that that's definitely how Azula saw it. And that informed the part that Azula took. She saw one parent who, in her mind, didn't love her because she saw her as broken. And therefore, she attached herself to the parent who then brought her up to be the worst version of herself because that version was useful to him. So it makes me think that maybe there's a similar thing with Kai where he had parents who were like, we don't really get you and you do worry us and frighten us because of ABC. But in Kai's mind, it was, oh, you despise me. I'm worthless to you. You think I'm horrible. And that's very much the POV that he had, even if it's not necessarily the objective truth. No, yeah, that is, that's for sure an argument. You know what's a shame is that we don't get a scene of Kai and Papa Parker. The only one I can think of is the wedding at the end, and that's when he shows up and blows everybody up. They don't really do <laughs> So it's really a shame that we don't get a like confrontation. And that, to be fair, that's not something Kai was ever seeking. He seemed to be very much in his post-era of the whole thing of like there's not really anything that can be done to salvage this he's sort of he's burning the bridge and buying a new one but it it would have been interesting to sort of get that confrontation and have the words from joshua parker the man the myth the coven leader (laughs) (laughs) to kind of gauge okay what was the deal can you give your perspective of like what was because because all we saw of him was a fear of present day kai yeah, the Kai who had already killed all his siblings. Well, or killed, killed four of his siblings. Half his children, right? Exactly. There's no return from that, really. But we don't get a perspective from him on his son, who he maybe didn't understand and was worried for, potentially, I don't know, and was scared of, potentially, I don't know. We don't get that perspective. And so it's hard to, like chart kai very well when the only perspective we have is kai and the people he maimed and chased around the home with (laughs) there's no lack of bias in the scenario that can be found unfortunately i like to think that maybe if delena had been given a little less screen time in this season we would have seen more of the parker family's backstory now that i've explained all the craziness that uh kai has Uh subjected our main characters and specifically bonnie to we can cut to the chase okay there were vampire diaries fans who shipped kai with bonnie sheila bennett and it drives me i just I have to assume you have no soul or discernible shred of humanity to even consider that. I just, I can't, (laughs) I understand that this is the Vampire Diaries, okay? I understand that stan culture, by definition, is insanity. I just, I just 
surely not. Surely. And we've gone into detail about how he terrorized her. He stabbed her so many times. He shot her with a crossbow. He left her to die in the middle of nowhere, Portland, Oregon. In a prison world. Why would you want them together? I don't understand. And the fact that Bonnie herself has a scene where she, a very visceral scene where she recounts all the horrible things he did to her while she's yelling at Damon. Yes. I don't know how you can then step back and decide that these two belong together. <laughs> um, it's a, I, I understand that it's, it's Vampire Diaries. It's a TV show that has desensitized its viewers to a lot of the toxic aspects of these people's relationships. And it's it's the same show that wants you to ship Klaus and Caroline and Damon and Elena. But the difference is that Elena and Caroline look at Damon and Klaus respectively and somehow see the good in them. They don't look at them and say, oh, these are terrible people who have hurt us. We hate them. They terrify us. This is our arch enemy. Heinous as this text can be, Bonnie hates that man. <laughs> Bonnie hates that man with every fiber of her being. And even the writers go out of their way to show what they think are redeeming qualities in Damon and Klaus over and over and over again. Like, oh, Damon does care about the people he cares about. He can, you know, show empathy and humanity when Klaus the plot decides that he horse. can. Klaus can paint and his daddy was mean to him when he was growing up. So it's not his fault so that he's evil and abusive. <laughs> But Kai looks at the camera and says, I'm a sociopath and I'm happy. I'm happy with the fact that I murdered my siblings. I'm happy with the fact that I gutted my twin sister. I want to kill the rest of my remaining family and coven and I don't feel bad about it. I stabbed my pregnant sister in the belly and murdered oh. her and tried to kill her unborn children. I clawed my way out of hell and tried to kill them again. Because that's what he gets up to when he, when he comes out of hell. He's back to kill the children that he didn't manage to kill. He tries to kill them again. <laughs> it's just so bad. And then I'm like, how do you turn around? And it's not just a thing of fans being like, oh, I ship them even though it doesn't make sense. No, I, I was subjected to threads and fandom spaces and comments under YouTube videos that you can still go and find if you look up certain videos where people will say, oh, look at this scene. It clearly shows if you're paying attention, you can see Kai cares about Bonnie. He likes her. He has a crush on her. He's being And flirtatious. it's when they're in Damon's car and he's strangling her. <laughs> he's got, like a knife to her chest. <laughs> no, it'll it'll be when Kai makes like some random flirtatious comment towards her. And I'm like, I don't think he means those as genuine interest. When Kai has kidnapped Elena and is taunting her, at one point he says, mm, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. You're just really pretty. <laughs> And I don't even think he's joking. I think he's being serious that Elena's making him nervous because she's pretty. I don't think that means he's in love with her. I forgot about that. Also, even if he did, who cares? He stabbed her so many times. There were fans. I, I, I hope they've grown up and they're, you know, these 17-year-olds, when they hit 25, their brains finish growing and they can yeah, look back and be like... Nah, that wasn't right. The prefrontal cortexes were not developed. <laughs> but there oh were there word. were many fans who would like literally analyze scenes and say, if you read between the lines, there is this amazing underlying enemies to lovers that hasn't quite gotten to the lovers part yet thing going on between Kai and Bonnie. She has this attraction to him that she hasn't quite accepted. He's clearly very into her. 
when he it doesn't help that when Kai claws his way out of hell, Damon is on the phone with Bonnie at a certain point and he's like, Is that Bonnie? Can I speak to her? <laughs> like <laughs> this excited child from the back seat. When I saw that scene the first time, I was like, I know what the fans are gonna say. They're gonna say he's in love with her. Uh... I think you'll need to be more comfortable with with if you're gonna get behind like a really really bad character you just need to accept that like that's it sometimes sometimes they just suck and that's what's fun we've been laughing this whole time in the sky episode because he's freaking <laughs> hilarious because he's awful and that's he's awful fine. we don't need to ship him with characters he doesn't need to be secretly in love with anybody he can just be an awful person terrorizing this woman to get what he wants and that's that i think for me kai is my favorite villain when he's being evil as opposed to i i love Catherine and i enjoy klaus but i enjoy them as whole characters even when they have their moments of goodness i like kai because he on a show full of people who do horrible horrible <laughs> things and then always have some mommy issue to explain why they're not that bad kai is just unrepentant evil he enjoys it he likes how he is when he's forced to experience humanity because of his merge with luke it disgusts it. him <laughs> <laughs> can't stand it wants to would cut it out if he could i enjoyed having a season where we got to have this cartoonishly evil boy yeah and it's it's just ruined by the memory that some people thought that he should be shipped with anyone. And of all people, Bonnie Bennett, who honestly has been through enough I just, on this please. show. I really hope these people grew up and had healthy relationships. <laughs> Not just with other people, but also with themselves. Because with themselves. Love yourself. Want more for yourself. <laughs> well, uh, on that note. <laughs> on that note. Um... <laughs> That's all she wrote for Malachi Gemini Parker. <laughs> yeah, I no closing thoughts for me. I mean, he was a lot of fun. He was here for exactly a season and dipped out. Season eight doesn't count for any character. Um, yeah. he, he showed <laughs> up right the at the devil. beginning. He left right at the end. And he killed it. A lot of people will... Well, I, I say a lot of people. I think a, a, a small contingent of people felt he was a little bit... Like you said, cartoonishly evil. He was giving, like, very ham. I think some people said he was, like, a really annoying college bro. And I understand that, but I was like... He was. I don't know. He was a lot of fun after a really, like drawn out boring season that's really the only thing that can be said about season five he just brought it right back up i often point out the symmetry intentional and otherwise and some of it is very intentional but some of it isn't between vampire diaries and buffy the vampire slayer mm -hmm. and i gotta say season four is my least favorite season as a season of buffy it also happens to be the season where the characters all go to college much like vampire diaries season five and both of those college, those first year in college seasons of each series that I find boring are followed by a season that just have the most fun, campy, hammy villain <laughs> as the main villain of that season. For Buffy, you've got Glory in season, season five. Right now, and it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I had didn't think about that, actually. That is very... I don't think this one was intentional. I do think a number of other things are intentionally lifted straight from Buffy. I think this one might have been an accident, but it is a happy little accident because... Oh, yeah. This one, this oh, one I don't think was so intentional. There's, there, there's something you'll see at a certain point in Angel that you'll be like, 
Oh, is that what you did, Julie? Oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't wait. But uh, yeah, that's it for, for, for Kai Parker. Uh, no closing thoughts. Just be, be sure to do your own research on sociopathy and Please, psychopathy. Yes. And if we said anything in this episode that didn't hit right, immediate apologies. Like we said, I think we all collectively need to do the work to just like be more considerate about the language that we use so casually. It's like this this stuff gets like locked in real early because of media. And so it's like a concerted effort to be more aware of the things that you say casually and learn more about what it actually is before you apply that to someone else. But yeah, let's let's all do the work and please I beg of you if you are an adult person or even even a even a child who's watching even this old series somehow and you think that Bonnie and Kai belong together, I, I beg of you. I don't know. Reflect. I don't re- reflect. Speak do to people trendy. online, speak to a therapist, go to a church, whatever it takes. <laughs> Visit Pastor Young. I think he might be able to help you Visit out. Visit Pastor Young. Get a lark to compel the memories away. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Go to a prison world <laughs> where no one needs to hear you say that out loud. Go to a prison world. Be, be on time out for 18 years and think about what you've done. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you're still with us after all of this, I appreciate you. If you didn't dip out as soon as I started talking about Bonkai, you are, you are strong. You're stronger <laughs> than my stomach. <laughs> if you have any thoughts or questions, you can mail us at animalattackpod at gmail.com or you can tweet us. Yes, we're still calling them tweets. Define. <laughs> at animattackpod. That's at A-N-I-M attack pod. And you'll find our link tree in the bio, which has all of our online stuff. So, yeah. Goodbye. Cheers.